This is Free Talk Live, and uh, something screwy is going on with our network. I'm barely hearing the music, bed, but I know it's there somewhere. There's some of it. All right. So 855-450-FREE is the toll-free number here. You can bring up whatever's on your mind. That's what we do seven nights a week live. Of course, you can join us here via the phones. You can also join us online at freetalklive.com, where you'll find a variety of features that we give to you, unlike those other talk show hosts that want to charge you for accessing their sites. Uh, You can go and enjoy our features for free over at freetalklive.com. So uh, check that out. And joining you in the studio tonight, it's Ian here. Allie. And JJ. All right. So we'll start out with some international news. I mentioned this last night, but didn't have a chance to get into it. Uh, It's happening in Egypt which has, of course, uh, over the last year or so been the site of much unrest. Uh, of course, uh, JJ, you've kind of uh, you've followed a lot about, probably more in general, the, about the Middle East situation than, than I have. Uh, and I guess, does Egypt count as the Middle East or yes, like North Africa? Well, Egypt is historically a, a pivotal part of the Middle East because mm-hmm. it is the, the Nile, uh, you know, the pyramids and all that. Obviously, it's, it's one of those countries that you can definitely... People don't don't really think of it as part of Africa because mm-hmm. of that, and the Sinai Peninsula is you know obviously the other part with Saudi Arabia, and uh, so it's like that that region is definitely the Middle Eastern region. Just uh, looking at a map, you can kind of see it why it would be that way. So there was a lot of uh, unrest re- recently regarding Mubarak, I believe was his name, yes. the uh, the dictator there. Uh, who people were pretty upset about. Uh, people were out in the streets. There was much. Uh, there was you know, rioting. Uh, there was military police out there shooting at folks. Uh, there were government buildings that had been set aflame. And eventually, Mubarak ended up uh, being. Was he exiled from from Egypt? Because I've heard something about. He was. Him. He was uh, put on trial actually. Yeah. And he was found guilty of some crimes. So I think he was sentenced to time. And uh, I think he, tr- he he tried to leave Egypt, and I can't. I think he was arrested. Is is what I remember seeing something about him being in custody for some reason. but yes. I didn't dig into that. But this uh, is what has happened since then. Of course, as we knew uh, a year ago, the military was going to be in a greater position of power in Egypt after Mubarak uh, had left. And it looks like the military wanted even more power because according to a CNN report here, it appears that parliament has been declared invalid and the military rulers have now declared themselves full legislative authority. This according to uh, Egypt's highest court declaring parliament invalid and then the military rulers promptly declared full legislative authority, as it is called, triggering fresh chaos and confusion about the country's leadership. The Supreme Constitutional Court found that all articles making up the law that regulated parliamentary elections are invalid, according to a constitutional lawyer. The ruling means that parliament must be dissolved, according to their state television channel. Wow. See, it's it's funny because back, it was sort of, there was, the military is, is a weird function in the Middle Eastern countries and, and some of these dictatorships in that it's led by a Supreme Commander type person and council mm-hmm. and so then it has its own following it has its own sort of pull because that person is basically the commander-in-chief whereas here in this uh, tyranny the commander-in-chief is the same person that the president is but isn't right. it still going to be basically a huge police state yeah the yeah. military is the one yeah it's the the difference is this is that during the egypt uprising you have the police state 
which is the police officers and all the law enforcement, and that falls under the executive branch or the mm-hmm. president. And the military is basically its own branch. So they I acted, see. instead of following the orders of Mubarak to fire upon civilians and kill people, they actually acted in their own best interest and did none of the sort, just kind of kept things from becoming full-on you know, destruction and uh, rampaging people. They, they did defend some of the state buildings, the uh, state television. Mm-hmm. I believe they uh, prevented that from being taken down as, as early as the protesters wanted it. So in a, in a way, they acted as a stabilizing element. And which now, might have won them some points. Exactly. Which which population. Because the military in that in that country is very much celebrated. Uh, a lot of the in fact Mubarak is a former military officer who sure. g- gained a lot of accolades during some war they fought and so he was some uh, commander of the forces and you know that helped win his elections or his, at least his uh, <laughs> ascendancy to power if you will instead of election. But um, so so the the military is definitely its own entity, and it's sort of been since the revolution. It's sort of been a, a waiting game to see if the military was going to go along with what the protesters and populists wanted, mm-hmm. or if they were going to strike out on their own. And clearly, from this news, they have decided to wait no longer and declare themselves leaders. Parliament has been in session for just over four months. It's dominated by Islamists, a group long viewed with suspicion by the military. The Supreme Council of the Armed Forces, in control of the country since Mubarak's ouster, said that it now has full legislative power and that by Friday it will announce a 100-person assembly that will write the country's new constitution. Wow. So that's so basically, huge. Yeah, it is. It is. And I think that's... You know, it's like if now if, if an uprising occurs, you're basically fighting troops. Now it becomes a loyalty game. You know, and some of the uh, the ideas of civil resistance, you're changing the, the loyalty of someone from loyal to the government to loyal to... To the military? To the, or, well, or loyal from the military to the populace, basically, the, the, the uprising. According to uh, the piece here, the Muslim Brotherhood, Egypt's largest Islamist party, said that uh, the Supreme Council of Armed Forces leaders were taking matters into their own hands against any true democracy they spoke of. The court also ruled that former Prime Minister Ahmed Shafiq, the last prime minister to serve under ousted Mubarak, may run in a presidential election runoff this weekend. The court rejected a law barring former members of Mubarak's regime from running in the election. So it looks like the old boys will be able to uh, to put their names in the, the hat, so to speak. The runoff pits uh, Shafiq against Mohamed Morsi, the head of the Freedom and Justice Party, which is the Muslim Brotherhood's political arm. It goes on to describe more of the internal uh, politics of the situation. But, I mean, a total rewrite of the Constitution there is what's on the table in Egypt. So anything can happen. Well, I think with Egypt, the military under Mubarak, as I said, they were the executive military different. They they basically went along with the program, which was the pro-United States, uh, pro-Israel program that's been handed out and dropped with uh, food packages throughout the region. Mm-hmm. And so they followed that. And since then, with the Islamists being elected to positions of power within the cabinet and uh, within the uh, Congress or, or whatever parliament, legislative yeah. uh, parliament, they have different points of view. Obviously, the military had that point of view of pro-U.S., pro-Israel. They kind of became more moderate during the revolution. And then now I think they definitely don't agree with the anti-U.S., anti-Israel 
viewpoints of a lot of the Muslim Brotherhood people and the Islamists. So there's definitely a stark contrast with the uh, ideologies there. Ashraf Kali, an Egyptian-American journalist and author of the book Liberation Square, predicted the Muslim Brotherhood, which has shied away from straight-up confrontation with the military leadership, won't go to war over this. The activist uh, community, on the other hand, they are very upset, he said. Hassam Bagat of the Egyptian Initiative for Personal Rights decried the court's decisions in a tweet. He said, Egypt just witnessed the smoothest military coup. We'd be outraged if we weren't so exhausted. Perhaps guarding against more popular unrest, riot police and military personnel, some in armored vehicles, were outside the court ahead of the rulings. Military intelligence officers were also present. After the ruling uh, was announced regarding Shafiq, a crowd of citizens shouted their disapproval. Military police moved to block the road in front of the court, a major Cairo artery. So it's almost as though they knew what the decision was going to be in advance of it being made. Right, and, and they would definitely want to try to mitigate any sort of uh, collective protesting that's happened in that square pri- previously. So, you know, stopping that from happening early is definitely their game plan. Shadi Hamid, director of research at the independent Brookings Doha Center, called the court rulings the worst possible outcome for Egypt and declared that he felt the transition to civilian rule is effectively over. He said that Egypt is entering into a very dangerous stage, and I think a lot of people were caught by surprise. Your thoughts are certainly welcome if you have some insights here. 855-450-FREE. Maybe you are from the region or have uh, have been over there with some experience. You can share with us. You're certainly welcome to. 855-450-3733. You can take control of the airwaves. Also, coming up, men who are locked up even though they're innocent. Yep, that's right. Right here in the good old USA. Free Talk Live, 855-450. If you want to move to the free state and you're looking for some real estate, well, I know a guy who's really great. It's the Porcupine Realtor. Do you want a home with 20 acres, a lakeside cabin, any takers for renters, buyers, and sellers too? Mark Warden is the guy for you. PorcupineRealtor.com This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything you want. Toll-free number is 855-453. It's the SACL CAI toll-free line. You can join us on our website. Head over to freetalklive.com. You get signed up for news updates. We'll keep you in the loop with whatever's fresh about Free Talk Live. You can follow us via email, Twitter, Facebook, whichever method is best for you. And you can sign up for any of those for free over at news.freetalklive.com. That's news.freetalklive.com. And I want to invite you over to plainboards.com, P-L-A-I-N, plainboards.com. That's where you can get, within moments, your own free anonymous message board. And you can use this message board for whatever reason you want to. Maybe you just want to share uh, something with your friends, uh, have your friends come to this anonymous board. You can do that. You can just share the link out there uh, to whoever you want. Or you can put it on your website, link to it from your blog, uh, embed it in your web page. These are all possibilities, and they're all zero cost. You go to plainboards.com, type in the name of this, uh, the board that you want to create, click go, and that's it. You're done. It's there for you. You just implement at that point. Uh, so it's that easy to have your own anonymous message board 
that's completely free. There's no installation necessary. You don't have to identify yourself. No one who uses planeboards.com has to identify themselves. So that can be very useful. Planeboards.com is where you can go to learn more and get one. So uh, 855-450-FREE, that's the SACL CAI toll-free line. There was uh, news about Egypt uh, where it looks like there has been a, what is essentially a bloodless coup uh, with the military of the country taking what they call full legislative authority after a court has declared parliament completely invalid. There's apparently going to be a 100-person assembly that will be writing a new constitution. And can you imagine uh, for just a moment – how crazy it would be if the U.S. government went ahead and just wrote it a new, you know, wrote up a new constitution. Right. What sort of provisions would be in this new constitution? I mean, it would be all manner of likely, oh, free health care for everybody. We'll take care of you from cradle to grave. I mean, who knows what they would put in there, but it probably wouldn't even resemble uh, the current constitution. And the, the current one, as we can see, uh, as Lysander Spooner put it, has either been powerless to prevent the tyranny that we have today or has authorized it. So the current one's bad enough, but imagine how much worse it would it could be if they actually had to rewrite the entire yeah, thing. Yeah, if it was, you know, from their perspective, you know, there is a certain difference in viewpoints, a great deal of difference in viewpoints from the active duty military people and how they perceive the world around them and their role in it and whatnot, and how they perceive civilians, quote unquote. And a lot of civilians, I don't think, understand or or even can think in the same sense and perceive the world through the soldier's eyes or whatnot. So it's like the soldier, the, the military people can see both, mm-hmm. but they, they, once you get into this, this sort of culture, it definitely is a social pressure to adhere to that culture and conform to it. And then you, you do see things differently. You do value things differently. And, it's it's you know having a different value system all of a sudden imposed upon you that is foreign to you is is definitely not something i think people are are ready for or in this in this country i think in egypt the thing is it's like they understand things differently you know the the paradigm is much different there sure i think the power structure has a like a a paradigm that has two peaks to it instead of just one here it's it's so the power is so concentrated in in this paradigm that are, it's are the riots in Egypt meant to get more government involved no most of the riots in Egypt that have happened were to ouster Mubarak to get him out of government and then all his people out of government in positions of power and then to replace them with popular elected people that was the that was the goal and the popular elections yielded results which the military didn't find favorable so the military says, "Well, we don't have to put up with this." Oh, we- they, and they found uh, you know a judge who basically threw the entire system out. Right. Well, yeah. You can any judge with a gun behind his head will yeah. say anything you want. You want him. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, I think you made an interesting point about the centralization of power here in this country. Obviously, there's a lot of power in D.C. Far more today than there was in the 1700s when the late 1700s when the Constitution was written up. Right. So, I mean, the, those guys writing the Constitution, likely some of them wanted power. You know, Alexander Hamilton and people like that. They were interested in centralizing government and having a central bank and that sort of thing. So there were certainly some people that were seeking power within that group of men. But 
they couldn't have, you know, obviously they couldn't have envisioned what was coming 200 years down the road. And now there's even more power there than there ever was. You know, where the Constitution was signed was nowhere near as influential and controlling back then as it is today. And so to have those men, those 535 men uh, now today in in D.C., to have them sit down and write a new Constitution, to even just get in and have them amend this existing Constitution could be pretty devastating. Although – one might point out that the system doesn't care what the Constitution says, so who gives a damn anyway? Although it is nice to be able to point to a few things in there and like, well, wait, wait, free speech. Isn't that still important well, to people? You know, I, I, I had a discussion just the other day with Ali about this sort of idea and the idea that, you know, what is what is government actually produced or created or been, uh, given to society? And the things that I could list were only the most destructive and you know, death-creating things on Earth. The the atomic weapon, for example, aircraft carriers, the space shuttle. Well, I'm I'm not even I'm not even going to go there. I understand as far as you're concerned, it's a waste of money, but that doesn't actually kill people. Well, no, I'm trying to give you something. You yeah. said, well, what do they what do they create? Okay, or you're right. Yeah, the space shuttle. But then that's again, only the scene. Grossly, though. that's the point. Is like, exactly. well, yeah, if you take a bunch of money out of the productive sector of the economy, eventually you're going to be able to come up with something. But if you just have all the money in the world, then yeah, I hope you you can make some kind of rocket that makes it to the moon. Well, like right. Well, if you look at the space shuttle, I mean, it's a piece of junk. I mean, the thing is a humongous contraption that hasn't actually changed in a significant fashion right. in our lifetimes. Yeah. Uh, so it's old. It's decrepit. I mean, it's just like you, you look at uh, versions of software, you know, Firefox, for instance, constantly being upgraded. Uh, car companies are constantly releasing new models of uh, product to the marketplace yep. looking to satisfy demand. And if we'd actually had freedom in the area of space travel, then we'd probably get more of what we saw with the X Prize, for instance, where the different uh, groups were were competing to create something that could, I think it was get into low Earth orbit, I believe was the specification on that. And they didn't spend hardly anything to make that happen in comparison to what NASA has spent on the space shuttle. So I just kind of get through, was being devil's advocate by throwing that out there. It's like, well, what would somebody say? Uh, That's something that you could put out there. You could say the National Weather Service as well. But these are both things that could be done in the marketplace and could be done much more efficiently and better. Think about historically, though. Take the idea and and go all the way through history and what has organized power, basically, whether you want to call it mafia or government or religion, whatever it is, organized power and control has yielded wars Mm -hmm. and genocide and just all kinds, all manner of ill, I guess, deeds. Yeah, for sure. And it's just like, without the government doing that, it might just be a few select individuals who have that psychopathic uh, predilection. But it takes government to really put the screws to people. Yeah, and don't forget mass imprisonment as well, Uh, the U.S. being the most imprisoning country in the world today. Uh, We'll tell you about how some men are behind bars while being legally innocent. I'll tell you about that, 855-450-FREE. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. You can bring up what you want and take control of the airwaves. This is Free Talk Live. Get 18,000 radio stations from around the world. Pandora, Opio, Live 365, and MP3 tunes. With C-Crane's CC Wi-Fi Internet Radio. It's great in any room of the house. You can listen to your favorite station stream from back home, whether it's another state or another country. Play Free Talk Live's live streams, lrn.fm, or your favorite stations. 
If you're not familiar with the C-Crane company, their products are the best. Get the CC Wi-Fi Internet Radio at ccrane.com. C-C-R-A-N-E dot com. This is Free Talk Live, toll-free number for you to take control of the airwaves, 855-450-FREE. It's the SACL-CAI toll-free line, 1-855-450-3733. Join us on our website over at freetalklive.com and enjoy the features that are there for you. Listening options included live streams. You can tune in anytime you like because around the clock, our live streams feature the latest episode of Free Talk Live. Broadband, midband, narrowband, whatever size Fits your internet connection. They're all free over at listen.freetalklive.com. Plus, you can learn about the over 100 great radio stations that air the show at various times throughout the week. Uh, AM and FM, plus our XM satellite radio channels are listed there. Our webcam is an option for you, plus our listen lines that allow you to call from any phone that can dial long distance and tune in that way. Listen.freetalklive.com will take you to those options. You can learn more there. Listen.freetalklive.com. The Freedom Cam is something that anybody who considers themselves an activist should take a look at. And even if you don't consider yourself an activist, and maybe you've had a bad experience with the police in your car while driving around, maybe uh, you haven't yet had a bad experience, but you know people who have. You're aware that the police are becoming more and more intrusive as time goes on. Uh, in fact, last night on the program, we heard from Jillian Batty from StatelessSuites.com, and she told us her story about uh, encountering a police checkpoint, uh, an internal ICE you know, federal government uh, checkpoint. Is that the uh, immigration checkpoint? Well, whatever it was, was a drug checkpoint because they were walking dogs customs, around yeah, every immigration single customs car. Right, but it wasn't at the border. It was just right. somewhere in Texas. And so she didn't, unfortunately, have the, the, she didn't have the thought to go ahead and turn her phone on. And it can be hard under those circumstances to remember everything that you should do to make sure that the encounter goes as, uh, as well as it possibly can. Well, if you have the Freedom Cam in your car, you don't have to think about it because it's there for you. Uh, it's plugged in. It's on. It's operating at all times. So wherever you're going, the Freedom Cam is recording the goings-on. It's got a camera in front and behind, so meaning it'll see everything going on in your cab, and it'll also see everything going on on the road in front of you. So it's constantly recording that. Uh, it also has a microphone built in, plus GPS, uh, which will allow the uh, unit to record where you were going and at what speed you were going. So it's actually pretty useful if there's an accident, because there's an actual record of, you know, well, you were turning from this direction, and you were going this fast, and that's all there. All that information is kept on the Freedom Cam. So go to freedomcam.net and pick up what could be something that saves your activist butt uh, from being attacked by the police, or at the very least afterwards will leave you with a record of what occurred. Uh, freedomcam.net allows you to get more information about that. 855-450-FREE is the SACL CAI toll-free line. Well, I was out and about uh, today in uh, Little Keene, New Hampshire, as there was an event going on in town that some local folks put on. Uh, I had the opportunity to speak at it, and it was the Tom Ball Memorial, the one-year memorial for the man who did something that is fairly unusual in this country. He set himself on fire. And uh, he did this out in front of the local Superior Courthouse here in Cheshire County, New Hampshire. And the reason why he did that was because, well, he felt like he didn't have any other option. Right. Uh, The courthouse had been screwing him over for almost a decade. 
uh, over a family custody issue. And it's a horrible story. If you want to learn more about it, you can go to freekeen.com and search for Tom Ball. I did a lot of research into the case at the time that it, uh, that it had happened. And essentially, the, the, uh, the gist of the story is there was an incident with him and his daughter back around the turn of the, uh, the century where he did the wrong thing. He slapped his daughter in the mouth. And not right. Not the right thing to do. It caused her, I guess, lip to split and she was bleeding. Oh, my gosh. As a result of that. Mm-hmm. And we're talking about a fairly young uh, girl right. as well. Yeah. Not that it would be I okay. I believe it was four. Yeah, I believe it was four. Not that it would be okay if she was 14, but, you right. know, right. It's, it's not good. So this Was, was he the, a drinker? I couldn't tell you. Okay. But, you know, let's say yes. It doesn't matter. He did, he did something wrong. It was inappropriate. And in further discussion with his wife at that time uh she had contacted uh the local family services organization which is a corporation that is very tied in with the government and they are funneled all kinds of money uh by the state and a lot of people have had really negative experiences with these folks and the lady that she was talking to this night obviously tensions were very high in the house at that at this time and uh, the lady that she was talking to on the phone told her that if she didn't report it to the police she could be facing criminal charges. Yep. Now, this was a lie. It's actually not uh, not the case at all. But the woman on the phone wanted her to do something about this. And, you know, it's understandable that somebody who's in a position of trying to help battered women, for instance, would want to encourage someone who has been abused to, and I'm not saying she was abused, that's never been the allegation, but to encourage someone who's connected with abuse to take it to the so-called authorities because they believe that solves problems. I don't think it, it does in every case. In, in fact, or do I mean, they just know that if it goes to the authorities and eventually they're going to end up having a job where they get to p- get paid to come and take over the situation? That would be a very cynical way to look at it, but uh, it's certainly a realistic possibility. I'm just trying to look at the incentive structure. Yeah. That is absolutely an incentive. This organization has an incentive to fill its uh, ranks with business that are uh, funneled to it by the state courts. So the woman on the phone lies to the lady, tells her, well, you've got to call the police or you could be arrested for this. And unfortunately, she took her word for it and she called the police on her husband in this uh, in this instance. And in the town in which the police were responding, as is the case in a lot of places around the country, when the police are called to a domestic violence incident, they are under obligation to take someone out of that home in handcuffs. They are under obligation to make an arrest. And that's what they did. They According were, to policy. Correct. Uh, I don't. Yeah, I don't think it's a state law. It's, it's just a department policy. Yes. So they arrested this man, uh, even though that wasn't the intention of his wife. She did not want him to to be arrested, and this created a, a snowball effect that resulted in him losing his kids. It resulted in them divorcing. Uh, it resulted in just a mess, an absolute mess. And what ended up happening, you know, long story short, what ended up happening to Tom Ball was that he was trying to get to see his kids again and going through whatever court processes were you know, required for this and being very obedient to those court processes, doing what he was told to do. And, uh, you know, he hadn't had any violent incidents since that particular no, incident. No, I think he, has, he had an issue with the woman assigned to act as the supervisor of the child, some What it was, was the, woman who was the woman who was assigned to yes. the case was working with Monadnock Family Services, yes. which was the same organization that had screwed him over by lying to his wife in the first place. And the, the issue was, 
in front of this judge, who's a real jerkwad, uh, this judge had told him, well, if you get approved by this person from Monadnock Family Services, then you can have your kids back. Right. All you have to do is just jump through this one hoop, go through whatever process they have for you, I and it, then... Was it counseling? I think he had to like, sit through a counseling like session with her, Yeah. and then she would make a decision and get, get his kids back. Yeah, basically. and his position was essentially, look, judge, why can't you make the decision? Yeah. You've been familiar with this case for a decade. Why can't you decide whether or not I have the ability to take care of my kids uh, on a supervised or even unsupervised capacity? So essentially the judge was pawning the responsibility ultimately because the judge can make this decision if he wants to. But pawning it off on Monadnock Family Services and essentially saying, well, I don't, I'm not going to make this decision. They have to make it. And so Tom Ball was uh, protesting that decision saying, well, I don't want them to make this decision because they're biased. Right. I feel like they're biased against me. I would rather have you, who clearly you're biased too, but I'd rather have you make the decision than Monadnock Family Services. And that was the impasse that they had reached because the judge wasn't going to budge on that and Tom Ball wasn't budging on it either. So he wanted to see his kids, but he didn't want to deal with an organization that he felt was uh, was corrupted. And I think there are a lot of people that feel the same way. Ultimately, what ended up happening was he had been out of work. Uh, he had gotten fired from a job in the previous year, hadn't found work since then. So it's kind of hot, kind of hard to pay child support payments if you can't go to work. And so there was a hearing on his lack of child support payments that had been scheduled. And he knew that he was going to be put in a jail cell uh, at that hearing because he hadn't paid those payments, uh, even though he wants to. He just hadn't done it. And so rather than go to jail, he decided to make a political statement and... It's the most intense statement a man could make. He set himself on fire. There's more coming up. MindThings.com is a fun online game that pits you against people around the world to mine for scarce resources. Do business in a capitalist economy with virtually mined gold tax-free. You could be a trader doing business between cities, a pirate lying in wait for hapless traders, a guard capturing pirates, or one of nine other professions. It doesn't require a big-time commitment. Your mining robots work whether you're logged in or not. It costs nothing to play, but you can buy bonuses. They even accept bitcoins. Go to MindThings.com. Use coupon code FTL. Double your mining speed. It's free. MindThings.com. This is Free Talk Live. The toll-free number here is 855-453. You can take control of the airwaves, dial in toll-free, bring up whatever's on your mind. Here with you in the studio, it's Ian. Allie. And JJ. Once again, 855-453. Coming up soon, the Porcupine Freedom Festival. JJ, you are busily putting together what is uh, a pretty humongous like package of things that you're doing out there it's too much they originally had just brought you on board to organize the bands right. put together a list of bands but then somehow you ended up getting roped into actually that's my the idea entire thing really yeah i actually approached i wrote up a little thing about it on the the page for it but yeah i approached osborne and uh happy birthday osborne and his his wife the organizers of the event mm-hmm. sharon uh and, and jason and I basically said, hey, you know, there's not a lot of good footage out there. I've been trying to look for uh, footage to cut up ads and do video work with, and there's really not hardly any quality footage. Where the audio is, is, there's so many different aspects that can yield poor footage, whether it's the shaky camera or the lighting or the audio. And so basically I was like, well, why don't we try to initially, the idea was to burn DVDs right there. But uh, that has a lot of logistics and overhead, so we were going to live switch it. And just put it on YouTube. 
and then the live switcher isn't going to work out. So I'm going to record hmm. it, bring it into a uh, editing program, and then live switch it as I edit it with this software. So you're going to have like what three different cameras yes. uh, recording all at the same time, and then later on you're going to have to put it all together. That's right. It's a huge project. It is. It's and sixty hours. Wow. Wait, 60 hours so far or 60 hours after the fact? It's, well, I've probably already spent about 120 on it, but wow. 60 hours of actual recording time and then more hours might be gathered from other ways. I was thinking about having one camera every, like, a couple times. What about having a camera just shoot out of the pavilion and then have your Porkfest message here instead of writing it on that tarp? It's just a video message and then at the end just cut out the time, whatever blank time there is and just, you know, for an hour here, an hour there compress it for time and then just put it out as like i think know. it's a great idea i think the whole thing's a huge uh con big concept and it'll be a really i think take the coverage of pork fest to the next level in a big way uh so folks can help support this uh, effort definitely in some way how how can if you go to the uh, facebook page pork fest chronicles it would be facebook.com slash pork fest chronicles p-o-r-c-f-e-s-t mm-hmm. uh, chronicles and then uh there's all kinds of sponsor information. In fact, I had a special up there today where if an individual or organization sponsors for the $500 package, which is the highest one, I will offer free video production for a 30-second ad to be used in it, as well as the splash image and the bottom third graphic. So Cool. And that 30-second ad could, in theory, be used elsewhere. Right? Yeah, exactly. That's All of it could be used elsewhere because yeah. it doesn't necessarily have to say Porkfest. And there are going to be a lot of great speakers at the Porcupine Freedom Festival. Oh, yes. So within that 60 hours of recording that you're going to do, uh, there are going to be a variety of different panel discussions and individual speeches. And there's also a, there's a roast, I think, that's going yep. to happen. Uh, there's just a lot going to be going on. And this is all just in the one location at the at the pavilion yep. at Porkfest. Of course, Porkfest takes a, an entire campsite or an entire campground. And so there's obviously more that even your cameras won't be able to to capture. Yep. But what's going on in that pavilion are, are a whole bunch of different uh, events. And it'll be great to have them cut up and put on YouTube. And that yep. way people will be Definitely. able to see what's happening at Porkfest. Because there's a lot of people out there listening that they hear us talk about Porkfest every year on Free Talk Live. Uh, they hear us broadcasting live from there. In fact, Free Talk Live will begin broadcasting live Sunday night uh, from the Porcupine Freedom Festival. And uh, they hear all of this, but yet... Oh, maybe it's just too much of a hassle to get to New Hampshire. Maybe they don't want to fly. Maybe they don't want to drive. Maybe it's just too expensive uh, to to get up here. And so this will be a great way for people to get a window into exactly. the world, a portion of the world that uh, that is Porkfest. And if uh, some if there's somebody who supports liberty, somebody who loves the ideas of freedom, then this would be a great way for them to get the message out uh, via sponsorships on these videos to back up what you're doing, JJ, because. Even if you get some sponsors in the door, you're still not going to get paid what your time is worth. No, on it, this. it's it's not even uh, going to come close. And then the capital I'm using through equipment that I'm borrowing from other people who are using whatever. And yeah, it's it's going to be a really good vicarious sort of experience for someone to to basically be at Porkfest at this pavilion and watching these events. And the ideas will spread, and I'm really happy about that. Get the message out there. And I think if it looks professional and slick, people are going to share it. You know, certain aspects of it could go viral, hopefully, and maybe, you know, the ideas of liberty are, are successfully spread. So that's that's the goal. That is a good goal. But it would be also be nice for some people to step up and uh, and put their logos on things exactly. uh, that, uh, that would be useful. So Porkfest, uh, you can go to uh, facebook.com slash Porkfest Chronicles. Yes. And then contact you through that 
page. Yeah, the page right. has a contact. You can just contact us directly at sponsor at porkfest.com. Perfect. All right, so uh, 855-450-FREE. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Coming up in North Dakota, the voters there are going to be doing something interesting. Uh, normally, when it comes to propositions that are on the ballot, a lot of them are pretty dull. They're real you know, legalese-sounding and sometimes very confusing. But can you imagine having on the ballot in your state a proposition to eliminate property tax? Wow. That's what they've got coming up in North Dakota. That's exciting. Yeah. yeah. According to the New York Times, uh, since Californians shrank their property taxes more than three decades ago by passing Proposition 13, people around the nation have echoed their dismay over such levies, putting forth plans to even them, simplify them, cap them, and slash them. In an election on Tuesday, residents of North Dakota will consider a measure that reaches far beyond any of that, one that abolishes the property tax entirely. Wow. So, Actual true property ownership. That's amazing. Oh, you know what? I uh, I thought this article was actually post, was written post-Tuesday. So this election actually went through. We will have to find out. I thought it was coming up this Tuesday, but it was actually this past Tuesday. So if one of y'all wants to look, uh, maybe as I share this with you, uh, as to what the results were of this, I would hope that people would have come forward to eliminate this thing. But as you might imagine, state agents uh, are very upset with this being placed on the ballot. Uh, We'll get to some of their quotes here in a moment. I would like to know uh, that my home, no matter what happens to my income or my life, is not going to be taken away from me because I can't pay a tax, says Susan Beeler, who's one in a group of North Dakotans who've Hmm. pressed for an amendment to the state constitution to end the property tax. They argue that it is unpredictable, inconsistent, counter to the concept of property ownership, and needless in a state that, thanks to the par- uh, thanks in part to wildly successful oil drilling, finds itself in the rare circumstance of carrying budget reserves. Well, sadly, she finds herself disappointed because oh, no. the results are North Dakota votes against abolishing property tax. Ugh. By what percentage? Do you happen to have that? Uh, I'm going to uh, click this thing here. Because an unusual coalition of forces, including the North Dakota Chamber of Commerce and the state's largest public employees, Unions, of course, vehemently opposed the idea, arguing that such a ban would upend this quiet capital. Some big unanswered questions, those opponents say, include precisely how lawmakers would make up some $812 million in annual property tax revenue. What effect the change would have on hundreds of other state laws and regulations that allude to the more than century-old property tax, and what decisions would be left for North Dakota's cities, counties, and other governing boards if, say, they wanted to build a new school, hire more police, or open a new park? I mean, from these people's perspective, ending the property tax is chaos. Right. Well, I think 76% of the people agreed with them. 76 to 23, basically. 76% 76% of voters yeah. voted to keep property taxes. Yes. That's just insane. Rejected the proposal to abolish them. My God, what would happen to our government if we didn't have property taxes? Oh, man. It's well, disgusting. It, yeah, it's it's the dependency system. You're dependent upon government, and, and it's just the, uh, it's an addictive sort of dependence, you know? It's horrifying. I thought it would do much better than that. I mean, when something that radical, you'd think like property owners would have been all about this and would have come out. It would have been retroactive, too, so that if you would have paid, it would have been retroactive at the January 1st, according to ABC News. Yeah, It's crazy. Well, darn it. <laughs> I was uh, I was so excited. I thought, man, like North Dakota, if they could actually get rid of property taxes, maybe we need to re-look at this whole free state project idea because that would be pretty amazing. That's, to go somewhere like that. Right. I mean, that would be pretty awesome. But yeah, what drives people to vote for tyranny? I never understood that. 
I mean, I guess you see we in presidential elections it's, well, it's all the, the time. fear-based, the fear-mongering of certain politicians to use that angle. Well, if you do this, it's it's like, yeah, if you stop paying for food stamps, people are going to starve to death. You're going right. to have, you know, 50 million people die. Old people are going to die in the streets yeah. if you don't have property taxes. It's ridiculous. Well, with it, all those people voting in favor of property taxes, why don't they... Okay, so if 70-whatever percent of us, why don't we all just get together and agree to have our own pool of money, and then those people who obviously feel coerced into doing it, let them go do their own thing. But if it's just a 30% decrease... In, because those people can't handle the idea of someone opting out. They know people will opt out, and they can't handle it. They want to force people into it. In fact, I was talking with one of the police uh, here in town who loved the idea of, uh, he, he was in favor of the idea of getting rid of certain regulations and such, but when it came to ending taxes, his position was, well, he didn't want to pay for some of these things that were going on in town, like assistance programs and things like that, and so he wouldn't. So he feels like he needs to be forced uh, to be paid for these things. More coming up. We can talk more about uh, why people do this in moments. Hour two's next. Free Talk Live. There's a legendary piece of equipment in the radio world. It's the CC Radio 2. It has the best AM reception, bar none, thanks to their twin-coil ferrite AM antenna. It also has stellar FM reception, plus ham and weather. I recently got one. It's the nicest radio I've ever owned. If you're not familiar with the C-Crane Company, their products are lauded for their quality by experts the world over. I highly endorse the C-Crane Company. Get the CC Radio 2 at ccrane.com. C-C-R-A-N-E.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything you want. Toll-free number 855-453. That's the SACL-CAI toll-free line. You can join us on our website over at freetalklive.com. Do enjoy the features that you'll find there. Uh, We give them to you for free. So once again, head over to freetalklive.com. Uh, joining you in the studio tonight, it's Ian, Allie, and JJ. All right. So, of course, we'll take your calls about anything. That's the point of the program. But just at the end of the last hour, we had gotten into a piece about North Dakota. Still to come, uh, there's a possibility that uh, New York might ban e-cigarettes, uh, plus an alternative currency that Ali is uh, finding curious. We will uh, dig into the alternative currency here in a moment. We've been talking about silver and bitcoins already this week, but this is not either of those. Uh, so we'll talk about that here in a little bit. But the news from North Dakota, pretty disturbing to me that people wouldn't have voted in favor of getting rid of property taxes. I mean, who wants pro- who in the hell likes property taxes? It's a good question. And uh, according to the story I was reading, they are actually having a surplus in their budgets so that they can do without the property taxes to a degree. I don't know if it's that big of a surplus. I mean, it says here that they would have to make up $812 million in annual property tax revenue. The This lady is quoted as saying they have $5 billion in surplus right now. Wow. <laughs> like like they have yeah, sitting in a, a yeah. fund or something. That's, that's several years that they exactly. could figure out what to do about the— How uh, to lower their—you know, make it more efficient or whatever their bureaucracy is. Wow. Well, the scare tactics must have worked because, according to the article in the New York Times, it came out just a day prior to the vote earlier uh, this week. It was a Tuesday vote where, was it 76% that voted in favor of the property tax? It's 76 to 23, basically. So 76% of North Dakotans said, uh, yeah, we're scared. We don't want our property taxes to go away because 
What would the state do? <laughs> because, and then the pause, pause, pause. That's basically it right there. I think it's it's sort of like, uh, I was talking about the dependency in the uh, the last hour, and it's sort of how government creates, it's sort of this this cancer, if you will, that spreads. It's a disease more than more than a cancer because cancer doesn't actually spread from person to person. Mm-hmm. But it's sort of a contagion and it's an idea. And then people give in to this idea through social pressure and those right. around them. And the idea that we need to band together to form this greater union. And we talked about how government has created some of the most destructive things that mankind has ever seen in the way of uh, aircraft carriers and uh, uh, Tomahawk cruise missiles and nuclear weapons. And it's just like They've created a lot of destructive things that don't involve, you know, metal and and wires. And that's the ideas of government, the the Mm. idea that you are not in charge of yourself, that there are other people wiser than you, better than you, in charge of you. And it's sort of like the government's like, well, how do we keep people in check? Well, if we create a cast of people that are dependent upon our services and... Maybe this this group of people are poor, so they depend on certain services. Right. This group of people aren't poor, but they don't like to defend themselves, so they def- depend on a different service and, and on down the line. And so they get all these sort of interwoven dependencies. And, and it's and just— And tr- threaten to take one of those away, and exactly. they freak out. Exactly. And then all of a sudden it's like, well, what else do we do? This is all I've been taught to believe— should exist. Are they saying that people would have to be fired if they if this property, you know, getting rid of property taxes thing happened? Well, no, they're kind of just painting this uh, doomsday picture of a big question mark of what would happen? Uh, you know, what would happen to our cities and our parks and our schools? And uh, it's $812 million that we need to, to uh, make up. And uh, this is, by the way, the North Dakota Chamber of Commerce and state's largest public employees unions gathered together to oppose this uh, proposal to get rid of the well, property the, tax. Well, the proposal, the, the measure, stated that property taxes must be replaced with revenue from state sales taxes, individual mm. and corporate income taxes, oil and gas production, tobacco taxes, lottery revenue, and other sources. So, the, so they just said in the provision, let's raise the other taxes and get rid of the property tax. Exactly. So, according to Andy Peterson, the president and chairman of the North Dakota Chamber of Commerce, who normally you'd think the Chamber of Commerce is a group of businesses, you'd think business owners would understand that, oh, hey, you've got high property taxes? Well, that makes it so I don't want to open a business in your town. So, you'd think business owners would get this one, but nope. The Chamber of Commerce acknowledged that property taxes have climbed in some parts of the state and that North Dakota's political leaders need to tackle the issue. But, he says, their spokesman says, this solution is a little like giving a barber to a razor, or excuse me, giving a barber a razor sharp butcher knife. And by the way, this barber is blind and asking him or her to give you a haircut. Huh? Well, what? if you think about it, the Chamber <laughs> terrible of Commerce. Terrible analogy. It is terrible. Yeah. The Chamber of sense. Commerce is usually. Uh, staffed or occupied however it's conducted by individuals who already own businesses mm, yeah. who've already arranged to have certain property tax you know i guess uh, levies or uh, not levies but uh, deductions yeah. or special interests and if they have to compete with an even playing field like some guy could come and open up a shop across the street and not pay a property taxes not have to finagle a reasonable price well that that doesn't do him any good That's he's true. worked hard for that position he in no doubt about that. Business owners are notorious. A lot of them are notorious for no, supporting regulations. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's. I think there's just like, like in this town, for example, you have a property owner who 
has a large amount of property, and we've seen him use the city council, as he's a city councilor, mm-hmm. to to his advantage. And he's actually used it against his opponent. Remember the the uh, the thing between the uh, the rival signages on right. Main Street, and it's just like. It's like you watch them do this thing with the city council and ordinances, and uh, now his thing is the the schooling, getting on this list of appro- uh, approved funded like schooling. Basically, when a student gets money, they can allocate it to spending it for dormitory fees, or they can allocate it towards whatever other sort of measure they find for shelter. And and so this guy is like, well, we'll create this this list. The college hands to the parents and says these are all the approved houses. They went through this extra mm. inspection program, a voluntary inspection exactly. program. Exactly. And so and all his houses are they meet the code, you know, as 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 per the inspection program goes. And then everybody else has to either pay these things like siding and and little just the facade and and it's just those illusionary things that make you think that a house is sound and it's it's but it safe. could be total junk on the exactly inside. so it's a lot of paint and and primer and facade that sort of stuff so it's unfortunate though it looks like uh people have been in north D- dakota completely confused by this issue i'm curious if there's anybody out there listening tonight who if you were in north dakota maybe you are in north dakota and you voted in favor of this, or you would have voted in favor of this. And by in favor, I mean, uh, excuse me, I guess not in favor. They voted no. They, they voted to reject it. Right. The proposal was to eliminate property taxes. They voted, uh, 76% voted no. We want to keep property taxes. Are you somebody who would who would have voted no? Are you somebody who wants to keep property taxes? My, Why? My question is, was this proposed like as some kind of principle? Oh, it's wrong to be uh, taxing people on their property. Is that why this was proposed? Is that how the, this bill was sort of uh, being uh, at you know advertised? Or? Actually, yeah, it was actually part of that pr- uh, proposal. They argue, the people that were arguing in favor of this said that the tax is unpredictable, inconsistent, and counter to the concept of property ownership. Okay, see, I mean, like. Basically, that's what that's what matters to me is how was the conversation in 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 Dakota or North Dakota, right? Yes. Um, how was the conversation about this bill being had? Where was it basically a conver- big conversation about is it okay to tax people on their legitimately legitimately owned property? Well, the the, the woman in this article, this uh, ABC News article, uh, basically she says, "quote People shouldn't have their homes held hostage." Unquote says Charlene Nelson. Mm-hmm chairwoman of the organized effort behind Measure 2, the state, quote, the state has more than enough revenue to pay for K-12 through education as well as government service without kicking people out of their homes, unquote. So she also said this, the same problem kept coming up, uh, talking about, uh, she, she said it means all of us are renters, none of us are homeowners. So she's got it down, right. it sounds like. Yeah, that's great. Uh, and, that, you know, that's a stepping, I think that's a good stepping stone in this incremental process of liberty towards self-ownership. So let's let's first say that we own our property and then let's declare ourselves our own property. I think people have a tough time with that concept. I think a lot of people have this weird guilty feeling that they don't deserve their whole, you know, they don't deserve to be able to get off without paying taxes. We'll come back here with more. Your thoughts are welcome. 855-453. Do you support keeping property taxes? What kind of person does that? It's Free Talk Live. 
Are you excited about Flaming Freedom's bigger, gayer dance party at this year's Pork Fest? Oh, yeah. Well, you should be. There's going to be hopping dance music and a giant tent full of Liberty lovers getting their gay on. By gay? Do you mean happy? Oh, sure, Claire. Super Gay Dre is bringing his elite team of drag queens led by Violencia. There's going to be raffles for all kinds of prizes, as well as prizes for gayest costume, best drag queen, and best drag king. So get your ticket now for the insanely cheap price of just $5 at flamingfreedom.com slash dance party. This is Free Talk Live. Dial in toll-free. Bring up whatever you want. 855-453. The SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-855-450-3733. You can join us on our website over at freetalklive.com. You can enjoy all the features that we give to you there. Once again, freetalklive.com, including the archives going all the way back to late 2006. You can click and download as many shows as you want. Those other shows charge you. Other radio programs charge you for their archives. We give them away. So go to freetalklive.com and grab them up. You can also visit our SoundCloud page as well, which is another way to not just download the archives, but play them back in your browser and use the SoundCloud share button to share it on your Facebook, Twitter, maybe on your WordPress blog. They make it easy. And you can find the SoundCloud link over in the left-hand column, freetalklive.com, under the Listen and Share section. Once again, that's freetalklive.com in the left-hand column for the link to the SoundCloud page. Uh, as we mentioned previously, the Porcupine Freedom Festival is coming up soon, as in starting Monday. Uh, it is not too late for you to get involved. You can go to porkfest.com, and you can get registered over there. Uh, it's 35 bucks for the entire week. The campground, has, I understand, it has sold out. I don't believe that means the RV park... Uh, portion has sold out and i think that you can still like rent an rv space and still put up a tent in it so there should be ways for you to be on the property at rogers campground but the fact that the campground is sold out is i think an indicator of how much of a popular event this has become pork fest is huge and it keeps getting better year after year so don't miss out if even if you can only come up for a few days come on up it's worth the time there's a great group of people Hundreds of like-minded, liberty-oriented folks all at the same campground together. Porkfest.com, P-O-R-C-F-E-S-T.com. Bill is in Oklahoma, and uh, actually in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. Hey, Bill, you're on Free Talk Live. Bill in Oklahoma? Yes, I'm here. Hey, you're on the air. Go ahead, sir. Yes, thank you, Ian. Um, I wanted to uh, interject another idea as far as the uh, property tax is concerned. Now, you talked about how uh, certain people are just conditioned to be dependent upon the government and that uh, they don't want other people to exercise any type of freedom if they have to endure the tyranny. But I, I've come up with another idea, and that is I think people are are very apprehensive about what government would do once they went ahead and, and eliminated the property tax. So it's, it becomes a case of, okay, do I just take the little, the, the little amount of tax that I have to pay in my property tax and just be happy with that, and they won't—they won't screw me otherwise. Or do we take the chance, abolish the property tax, and God knows how the government's going to ring me later? Um, not everything is done through um, a, a populist vote. A lot of this stuff is done through uh, state senates and their house and stuff that people don't have direct control over. And if they—if it comes down to it, I think people would take would would want to. Here on the side of, okay, I'm only spending a little bit of money here, but if I take away, if I vote to take away the property tax, I'm leaving it in the hands of the politicians, and there's no telling what they're going to do to, to stick it to me later on. 
I get and, you. I get where you're coming from. I think there's a lot of fear involved. However, I would I would hope that people would see, hey, look, um, property tax means that your house is always on the uh, the chopping block. They're always they always have this axe over your head, uh, and if you don't do what they say, they're going to take your home from you. At least with an well, income they can do that tax. Anyway. What's that? They can do that anyway. They, they wouldn't have as easy of a time don't. taking a home from somebody, I don't think, if uh, you know if they were back on income taxes, for instance, or eminent domain. Gives yeah, them but eminent access to your property. Yeah, but eminent domain isn't very popular either. I think they're going to have to deal with a much more unpopular way. I mean, pro- losing a home due to property taxes, at least they can say, well, this person didn't pay their fair share. When they start taking homes with eminent domain, that's not a fair share issue anymore. Now that's more of a selective targeting of the, we need these right. this property here. And I think people will rally behind and, or in defense of the property owner much easily with eminent domain than with property taxes. Right, because the idea of abolishing property tax sort of gives, uh, sort of sends the message that yes, you own the property, and maybe uh, this would, if this had gone through, it would have made people feel more uh, property owner conscious, maybe. Right. Perhaps, um, but then again, uh, with, with, uh, you have to take into consideration now with all the foreclosures and all the, the fiascos in the economy. You, you know, you can make the argument. Well, it doesn't do me any good to abolish the property tax if my house could still be taken away. I mean, there's no there's no guarantee that they're going to keep their house either way. Uh, but that's a different. That's a different. Well, I, I think that's a different you issue. could you could make it. Uh, a, I guess uh, I don't know how logical an argument, but you could make an argument for individuals not paying property taxes would then have more money in their pocket to make those mortgage payments. All right, maybe that's maybe that's just an extra payment or two per year, depending on the homeowner and, and their depending tax rate. Depending on the taxes, yeah. Yeah, so maybe they can actually make the the payments now, whereas before they were scraping by and just uh, you know failing on on one or two a year. Well, one of the things I like, uh, well, one of the things I prefer about other taxes as opposed to property tax is some of them are easier to get away from. So if I don't want to pay sales right. tax, I can buy uh, things on Amazon and I can avoid paying sales tax on a lot of that stuff. If I don't want to pay uh, an income tax, I can work under the table. I can you know, be an agorist and I can do jobs for, right. for cash pay and I can avoid that stuff. Whereas with the property tax, it's just unavoidable. I mean, they have a, a, a target on you as a property owner and they're going to they're gonna come and get you. And if they don't get your cash, they're going to get your house, they're going to sell the house, and they're going to sell it to somebody else who will pay uh, the property tax. Okay. So, I, so you're coming up with some, some good objections, I think, here, Bill, but I'm wondering what do you think? I mean, if you were in North Dakota, how would you have voted on this? Um, I would have to know more about the, the you know, the, more about the bill. I would have to know what's in it for the government, obviously, because they're not just going to just give me the option to abolish the property tax without some string attached. I mean, we all know that that the government doesn't work that way. They don't. Just, well, no, no, you know, no. This is well, hold on. This is a, uh, pr- a proposition. So that means that they had to the people who supported this had to collect something like 30,000 petition signatures in order to put the matter on the ballot. So it wasn't the government giving people no, you're right. No government is going to just say, "Hey, I'd like to get rid of the property tax." They're not going to do that. Uh, this took a lot of, you know, grassroots activist effort to make it happen and so they get those signatures out there and of course they had to spend more money to promote it. So it was a group of individuals who actually care about property rights that had uh, had done this. I mean, the government wanted nothing to do with it. Even uh, Governor Jack Darimple, a Republican, said he opposed the property tax ban. He said, it's mind-boggling, really. We'd be changing everything, frankly. 
And of course, these people don't want change. No, no, of course not. Yeah. No, I mean, to bring up um, a, a scenario that similar to uh, my situation, because I'm not familiar with North Dakota at all, Texas abolished their, uh, their property tax a long time ago. But the, the, the problem that they're having in Texas now is that you were saying that uh, with other taxes you can get away with. Well, they've jacked the gas prices up, mm-hmm. and they've jacked up grocery uh, prices up because they've had to bring in the income elsewhere. Um, whoa, 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 hold and, on. And you said Texas eliminated property taxes? You must be mis- mistaken. I believe, they, I believe they abolished the property tax a long time ago. Uh, quick Google results here makes it look like there are property taxes in Texas. They are? I, I could have sworn it was Texas. I, didn't know, I know there's a bordering state where I live that they abolished the property I'd love tax. to know. I'm curious as to which uh, which state doesn't have property taxes. That's uh, That would be amazing to, if, if one of them didn't. Uh, and I thank you, Bill, for the call and the thoughts. Appreciate thank, it. Thank 855-450-FREE. Kind of a political dodge, though, saying he needs to know more about it to decide whether or not he, he would vote for it. I mean, the proposal is to eliminate property taxes and make up the revenue through other taxes. Right. Do you support that or not? And if you uh, if you don't support it, why not? Why not get rid of the property taxes? Free Talk Live. In every age, a technology is created that upends the foundations of society. The wheel, the printing press, the Internet. Now, in a world sliding into financial chaos, a new technology is changing the way monetary systems work around the world. It is called Bitcoin. Bitcoin is a new form of money, controlled not by banks, governments, or corporations, but through mutual commerce between free individuals. To learn more, visit WeUseCoins.com. Take control of the airwaves and dial in toll-free, 855-450-FREE. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-855-450-3733. You can join us on our website. Head over to freetalklive.com and get interactive there. The bulletin board system allows you to interact with other Free Talk Live listeners. And, of course, it's there for you 24 hours a day. bbs.freetalklive.com, like the rest of the features on our site, it is free for you. That's bbs.freetalklive.com. Dot com. Joining you in the studio tonight, it's Ian here. Allie. And JJ. We go right back to your phone calls, your thoughts about whatever's on your mind. Troy in Saskatchewan. You're on Free Talk Live. Hey, Troy. Hi there. Hey, what's on your I'd mind? I'd like to give an example of a tax revolt that happened in Saskatchewan in the year 2000. Okay. It was a rural-based tax revolt. Uh, um, like, there wasn't a lot of money in, in farming then, and uh, the farmers couldn't really uh, pay the property taxes. So... Um, Anyway, they had a big, big revolt, and what what happened? Like people just stopped paying their taxes, or farmers did. Really? And um, yeah, really. And the the government, um, the municipal governments had to back down. And to this day, um, taxes per quarter section of the land have dropped. Um, they're ha- half of what they are to this, and that's ten. You know, whatever it is, twelve years later, they're half half the place. So, so unfortunately, though, you know, it wasn't a philosophically based, you know, revolt. It was just, you know, people couldn't afford to pay, so they stopped paying. It wasn't anything about um, politics or morality, uh, like farmers are socialists, just like everybody else, or most farmers are. So so I think that's, I think that is a um, kind of an example of what's going to happen in the future. And I think North Dakota situation 
they're just not at that point yet. You know, obviously, some enough people are mad about taxes that they they got on the uh, agenda somehow in this vote, but just too many people are. Um, Cheap, I guess. Well, I wonder, uh, you know, it'd be interesting that, by the way, the North Dakota vote you're talking about, for those just tuning in, they uh, voted on Tuesday to uh, whether or not to eliminate taxes. 76% voted to keep property, excuse, property taxes, uh, to voted to keep property taxes, uh, 76%. But I wonder what would happen if you did some exit polling and you asked the voters a, a, an important question Are you a property owner? Mm-hmm. And then find out. What percentage of property owners voted to keep or get rid of property taxes? Because not everybody voting in that election is a property owner. In fact, you know, while it's probably true that property owners are more likely than the average uh, person to be registered to vote, there are plenty of people that were going to that election who are renters, people that don't have uh, any property uh, that they own who were likely casting a vote in that election. I wonder how that would have changed the outcome if it, if it were only property owners that were voting on whether or not to eliminate property That's tax. a good question. I would be happy to see the result. Troy, any other yeah, thoughts I, you want to share? I think, I think you have a good guess. I think you have a good... Uh, I never thought of that, and I think you're right on the right track there. Of course, people aren't going... Yeah, the property owners are going to be more likely to vote against property taxes. But yeah, I think I think it is a trend of the future, and I and I think um, if we can get these uh, governments on the run and competing with each other over um, over you know who has the lowest tax jurisdiction and whatnot, and you know of course they're going to fight this, and they're going to end up you know like they're already doing in the states, like they're going to start. Uh, um, the exit tax or whatever, so you're not going to be able to leave. <laughs> Take your money out. For sure. Well, so, yeah. You know, yeah. I think you're right. Oh, yeah, I, I really... hope that we see this. I, I just don't... I tend to think that most people are too darn scared to step up and do a property tax revolt like you're talking about. I guess, like you're saying, the the farmers you're talking about were forced into the position in that they couldn't pay, so that's why their revolt came about. And maybe it'll get that bad in some places. I can tell you, it's bad here in uh, in Keene, New Hampshire. I mean, I pay six grand a year uh, for a property here that is just a duplex. I mean, it's it's tremendously uh, burdensome here. But you know, on the other hand, New Hampshire doesn't have a personal income tax, and it doesn't have a state sales tax as well. So the property tax is where they get the bulk of their revenue. Um, and if, actually, as I understand it, there may be a provision on the ballot this year in New Hampshire that bans an income tax. So there may actually be a ballot uh, provision where people can vote as to whether or not to never have an income tax in the future of New Hampshire. Well, that's so great. That's kind of cool. Uh, but Troy, thanks that's for sharing cool. your story. Anything else on your mind? Um. Just one quick point. I, I know this tax idea, but like the no income tax is a big issue with you. And to to make it come about, I I I think um, if somehow there's some sort of way to get everybody to do it at the same time and to pledge to do it and kind of incrementally like get the people before before they uh, their names are released, whoever's in the you know future revolt, get everybody signed up and then bang, do it all on the same day. Because when you do it yourself, Ian, or whoever's doing it, like I pay taxes and, you know, because I want to make money or whatever. But, but yeah, if you get everybody to do it at the same time, then you might have something there. But anyway, that's, that's all I have. the trick, Troy. Thanks for the call. I appreciate it. 855-450-FREE is getting people to, number one, have the courage 
to do something like stopping uh, to pay stopping paying in- income tax or rather uh, whether it's income tax or property tax, but to stop paying property tax because they know that the the government guys are going to pick somebody. They're going to pick somebody to make an example out of them, and nobody wants to be that example. And so, therefore, most people are too frightened to do anything like that. Another problem is that most people have mortgages, and in the terms of a mortgage. It always says that you have to abide by all the laws regarding the property, and you have to pay the inc- uh, you have to pay the property tax. So, but in Keene, there's so many old houses, and maybe I don't know. A lot of them are newly bought, but it seems like there are probably people who own their houses here and who are done paying their mortgage on them. Maybe. And I think that what you would have to do if you really wanted to do something like that, where you had you know a, a property tax revolt, would be to organize uh, to make it part of the conversation, organize with other people who are on your side, and then, you know, devise some plan of when you're going to do it or um, how you're going to make a big statement about it. I hope it happens. I really do. I mean, I would totally be on board. Definitely. Strategy and planning. I just don't think we have the, uh, the numbers at this point. And I wish we did. I wish the people, you know, the 25% of the people or 23% of the people in North Dakota who voted to get rid of the property tax, there'd be some great people to have move here to uh, New Hampshire, perhaps, or at least on that one issue. Uh, they're certainly good. Getting more people who are of a like mind to move together seems like uh, a no-brainer to so- solve a lot of the problems that uh, that we're dealing with today. By the way, I've been uh, playing with an interesting device in the the kitchen here at the LRN.FM studios. It is the C-Crane company Wi-Fi Internet Radio. The CC Wi-Fi Internet Radio gets 18,000 stations from around the world. Pandora, Opio, Live 365, and MP3 tunes. It's all available through the CC Wi-Fi Internet Radio. So you can put this thing wherever it is. It can receive a Wi-Fi signal, so pretty much anywhere in your house, uh, and you can listen to your favorites, uh, favorite streams from wherever they're originating. C-Crane Company has great quality products. They are the best. You can go to ccrane.com to learn more about not just the CC Wi-Fi Internet Radio, but some of their other great products as well. And when you check out... Uh, you can mention Free Talk Live in their checkout form, and you'll get a free flashlight from C Crane. So uh, once again, that's C C R A N E C Crane dot com for the CC Wi Fi Internet Radio. Eight five five four fifty free. You can take control of the airwaves. Still would love to hear from somebody that thinks that you know that getting rid of the property tax is a terrible idea. Apparently, most people think it's a bad idea because they voted in favor of property taxes in North Dakota. And you think that a place like North Dakota would be more likely? I mean, I don't know. It seems to have more of a rustic yeah, sort of wilderness. West or the West, yeah. you know, the individualists or whatever, right? Pioneer, frontier, whatever, not. something. Yeah, we got a, we got a long way to go here before we actually have any kind of semblance that, of liberty in our lifetime, don't we? Yeah, that's. I mean, that's a good point right there. Is that if you think that the percentage of people, you know, is basically almost three to one, it's it's like well, there, there's a, lo- a lot of people left convinced that this issue is a bad one, and it's as you said, why do people support the property tax? Why would people vote against this proposition? And it's it's other than fear based. I can't think of any logical reasons. Maybe it's the too good to be true fallacy. Mm. Maybe just people like, just like being abused. Please, master, may I wow. have another? Maybe eight five five four fifty free. That's the SACL CAI toll free line. Still to come here. Hours? Can those be money? Ali is going to uh, look into that, and we'll discuss that as well. Eight five five four five zero three seven three three. You can, of course, take control of the airwaves and bring up whatever's on your mind. This is Free Talk Live. 
Here on Free Talk Live, we've been pretty excited about the Bitcoin. It's a decentralized, free market digital currency. You can learn more about it at weusecoins.com. But if you already have some Bitcoins and you'd like to spend them, you can spend them at spendbitcoins.com. When you spend Bitcoins on Amazon via spendbitcoins.com, Free Talk Live gets a cut. Or if you're an Australian trying to figure out how to buy Bitcoins, you can buy them with cash at au.spendbitcoins.com. Once again, that's spendbitcoins.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can dial in toll-free and bring up what you want, 855-450-FREE. That's the SACL-CAI toll-free line, 1-855-450-3733. Here with you tonight, it's Ian. Allie. And JJ. Allie, you can join her for her own radio program, which is Ladies in Keen. That's K-E-E-N-E. Ladiesinkeen.com is where you can go. Uh, there are blogs at ladiesinkeen.com. There are blogs. But and right are... now we're excited about uh, our live show at Porkfest. Oh, yes. Tuesday? Tuesday from 2 to 5. Three, three to, to five. five. That's right. Three to five. I was thinking it's two hours long. Three to five. And it'll be in the LRN Media Room. That is awesome. very exciting. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. It's going to be a great time. I think, uh, didn't you have something from We were mom? planning on, uh, for Derek's journey that he's taking across the country, we're going to save up money for that during the show. Or just taking donations for it. So oh, cool. Uh, yeah. I'm he, sure he'll really appreciate getting out to yeah. all that support. Definitely. Uh, especially since he so. can't be at the Porcupine Freedom Festival. But you can. Porkfest.com is where you can learn more. But ladiesandkeen.com is what I wanted to tell you about. You can go and uh, get more audio featuring Allie and the other ladies, uh, Cecilia and Kate and, uh, and occasionally some other folks as well. So uh, once again, ladiesandkeen.com for more Allie. Let's go to the phones. And then Allie will tell us about the uh, new currency coming out in Colorado, at least parts of Colorado. Colorado. Uh, Jim is with us first, though, listening in Daytona Beach. Hey, Jim. Hey, yeah, I'm real interested in your uh, discussion on property taxes. I live about 40 minutes drive north of Daytona Beach, and my property taxes are about 1500 for the year, mm-hmm. which, you know, I think is, is, is very reasonable. But I'm from the Chicago area, and I'm hearing some really crazy stories from some of my friends that uh, still live in Chicago. One of my buddies he uh, travels uh, for a living. He's gone five days a week, so he could live anywhere. So he picked his family up and moved them from Chicago down to uh, the Nashville, Tennessee area because his taxes on his home hit $10,000 a year. Whoa. And it really raises, really raises the question of what is property ownership. You know, he said, look, I'm a young guy. I'm in my 40s. I still have a mortgage. And, you know, we all I'm at a point now where, where with, with us, we don't have a mortgage anymore, so we're living without a mortgage, which is great. But he said, look, what if I work real hard for the next 15 or 20 years, make extra payments, end up without a mortgage? I'm still going to have a mortgage, <laughs> which is my you know, property taxes and all the corruption going on in the, the state of Illinois right now. Um, you know, it's, it's almost like you don't even mind paying the taxes so much, but when you figure out where the money's going, uh, it's, it's even worse. So he just decided, look, this is like having two mortgages and he ended up just moving out of the area. So, uh, it really does raise the question though, what is home ownership? I mean, if you get to a point where you've paid off your mortgage and you still owe a thousand dollars a month just for your taxes, I mean, that's the, you know, what, what is owning a property anymore? 
Yeah, it's it's just a joke. I mean, that's uh, essentially the situation that I'm in. I, I own my home, but I'm paying five hundred bucks a month in uh, in property tax, six thousand dollars a year. I mean, it's not ten thousand, but it's not a fifteen hundred. That's where I come from down in Florida. I was paying fifteen hundred uh, a year for property tax down there, and uh, so I am actually paying more in taxes now uh, living here in New Hampshire than I was uh, down in Florida, but. You know, for a lot of people, they're going to be paying less because people coming from places like New York State, uh, where they have to pay outrageous property taxes plus a sales tax, plus uh, they have a state income tax, will have a lower tax burden. So a lot of people moving here will have a lower tax burden. But I get you, Jim. I mean, you don't own your home. Uh, the whole thing is an illusion. It's just something to you know. You're, you essentially are passing around a, lent, a rental slip when you when you sign when you sign away a deed to somebody, somebody who's buying your home from you. You're just passing around a governmental uh, lease, basically. And I'm wondering if there is any type of, uh, you know, two questions I had from a legal standpoint. One would be, is there any type of lien that you could have on your home that would be superior to a tax lien? No like, way. could two people, two people get together and do friendly liens? And then the other question I had was, um, you know, how churches are exempt from mm-hmm. taxation. Could someone form a nonprofit organization and then put their home in that? and avoid taxation on the real estate that way. Yeah, that's, I think, probably a better option than hoping that your lien would be given priority above a city government's lien. I don't think it would. Uh, you know you know, they're going to have their ordinances written to where their liens are, are superior. Uh, but I think the church option might be a good one, but good luck getting them to recognize you as a church. I know that there's a guy in Grafton, uh, New Hampshire, who owns the Peaceful Assembly Church, which actually is a church building. Like, Whereas if you're just saying what, your home is a church, I mean, you should be able to. That that should be an option, and I actually have been looking into it. Uh, but, uh, you know, this guy actually has a proper church building with a steeple and everything. And they're telling him that they don't think he's a church, uh, that he's the pastor of this church. It's got a marquee out front. It's a church building. What are they basing that on? I don't know. They just don't, you know, they want the money. So he's gone now two years without paying property taxes. In uh, after year number three in New Hampshire, they can begin the tax sale process. So we're going to find out what happens essentially. So he hasn't paid the taxes. He's basically making a stand and saying, "I'm a church, <laughs> hello." And they are whether they're going to come after him. We will it remains to be seen until next year. Mm-hmm. So certainly, as we uh, hear more about it, we'll let you know. And Jim, thanks for your call and your thoughts All right, tonight. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. <laughs> I wonder if uh, there are certain government-approved beliefs that churches can have, and maybe that's the the reason for the state of churches as they are now. Like, you know, what what is it that you have to do to be a church I don't by know. the government that, standards? Right. I've actually been looking into that, and I'm thinking, you know, I may end up having to hire a lawyer to figure this stuff out. But from my research, at least here in New Hampshire, there doesn't seem to be any like set of requirements because they can't tell you as a church because you know it's religion. It's supposed to be very sacrosanct. They can't tell you that you have to have a governmental per- permit in order to be a church. That you have to have a five hundred one c three or some sort of corporation uh, status bestowed upon your organization before the government will consider you to be a church. You should just simply be able to be a church, just to simply say that you're a church and you're the pastor or the minister or whatever, and that should be it. But obviously it's not that easy. Hmm. Maybe the, the state sees some value in having churches, but not if the point is to uh, is to they get say, a, get away f- with not paying property taxes. They don't want to open up the floodgates to all right. kinds of 
new churches, the newfangled church of uh, believing in cats or something like that. And just everybody's got a church now. All of a sudden, no one's paying well, property taxes. It apparently is good if, if you let your livestock uh, practice little rituals and beliefs. I mean, slaves had all kinds of ritualistic belief stuff, you know, mm-hmm. singing while they were, I don't know, maybe that's made up, but they talk about how they sang and they made quilts and they did all kinds of cultural things that are really cool and interesting, but they were, of course, allowed to do all that stuff because it maybe made them better workers. I don't know. Keep them distracted. Yeah. Exactly. Your thoughts are welcome. 855-450-FREE. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. But yeah, I agree with you, uh, JJ. I mean, clearly, if they let one person say their home is a church, then who wouldn't want to do that? Yeah. Although, uh, going the back to- The same people that would vote for property taxes. Yeah. <laughs> Although, the, uh, the, you know, in North Dakota, you're looking at over 20, just only around 23% of people in favor of getting rid of property taxes. All it takes is a few people to band together and refuse- you know, to join together for a tax revolt and you would have a really powerful movement because especially if we're talking about families, like it's one thing if I, you know, Ian Freeman's not going to pay a property tax. Well, it's, you know, people are going to look at me as, uh, you know, low life scumbag. Uh, but uh, if you've got a family with kids and this family has, has decided to step out there and say, you know what, property taxes have gone too far. We're going to make a stand on this, and we hope that you will join us as well. You know, put a, a friendly face on the what is essentially a very radical uh, idea, and I think the state agents will have a much tougher time demonizing uh, a group like that. But once again, how do you get a family to agree to do something like that? I mean, these people usually have careers. Uh, they've got kids because they're a family, and so therefore no family is going to – most families aren't going to want to put their kids' freedom uh, or the, the, the roof that's over their head on the line yeah, to I think make a stand. If we looked at this situation with uh, Jay Noon that happened uh, south of us in Vermont – he does not have a family. He was, just, I believe, he was living alone. Right, with a, he had a girlfriend, but not Did a he? family. Okay. Yeah, gotcha. um, I don't know. I don't. I think she was. A, I don't know if she lived there or not. Regardless, the thing that I think helped him was that when it came time for the property tax uh, taxers to take the property, he had a lot of support, and there was a lot of. It, it was sensational in a way. Instead of just sitting in your home waiting for them to come take him away, he made a big deal out of it and he mm-hmm. was transparent and he had a lot of people over that supported him and then the actual home theft was put off for about six months or eight months or something like that and i think you know more and more of that is what's needed as you said banding together and finding more people who can support the cause i think also though is that a lot of the people who who might support the idea of removing these taxes are not property owners, and they can certainly support a property owner who's going to have his house seized. So I think it's it's an effort that needs uh, a lot of attention from all different groups of individuals. And it needs people, too. I mean, Jay Noon, as you're pointing out, was able to avoid seizure on the day that they were supposed to seize it, but they came eventually. 855-450-FREE. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Hour 3 is up next. Speaking of hours, we're going to talk a lot about hours on the way. Do you ever have connectivity problems due to poor Wi-Fi reception? I have an amazing solution for you. C-Crane's Super USB Wi-Fi Antenna 3. It can provide connectivity for up to a mile. We're using it at my house, and I can't describe it as anything but stunning. This antenna will change your life. If you're not familiar with the C-Crane company, their products are the best. I highly endorse the C-Crane company. Get your Super USB Wi-Fi Antenna at C-Crane.com. C-C-R-A-N-E.com. 
take control of the airwaves. Dial in toll-free. Bring up anything you want. 855-450-FREE. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. You can join us on our website over at freetalklive.com. And you can enjoy all the features you'll find there completely free. Once again, that's freetalklive.com. We, of course, uh, have things like the bulletin board system, the mobile site, and the archives. Go enjoy it all. And join us on the phones as well, 855-450-FREE. So uh, here tonight in the studio, it's Ian. Allie. And JJ. Allie, you had brought uh, forth something to discuss that I don't think has gotten much discussion. I know we've talked about it at some point in the past. The idea of an alternative currency Based on hours, yes, this uh, uh, has now spread. It, it started in Ithaca, as I understand it, but it has spread to different communities. And now Colorado, at least in one place, will be getting this. Yes, Summit County in Colorado is experimenting with this idea of a local currency. Uh, it seems to be very based on the idea of keeping resources within the community Um it's uh, being called organic money, uh, and the idea is that hours are a universal unit of value. Um, so right now, it's based on Federal Reserve notes to some extent. Uh, one mountain hour is equal to ten dollars, um, and then there are four denominations: a tenth of an hour, a half an hour, one and two hours. Mm-hmm. Um, local business owners agree to accept the currency and are given two hundred mountain hours right off the bat. So I guess they just print these mountain hours. And huh. and give them, I don't I assume and wow. then uh, the hours are then used at other businesses around Summit that accept the currency, thus encouraging local spending and keeping everything within the community. The money is debt and interest free. Walton said. Walton is one of the four creators of this currency. But that's not true, is it? I mean, if it's based on Federal Reserve notes, then ultimately it is debt based because the Federal Reserve note. Is debt. This may be too complicated for. I mean, maybe, maybe that guy didn't know what he was saying. I don't know if Walton said, really quite understands the idea of, of what money is, but he may not. He says I mean, the it, idea that he thinks he can just hand out, uh, you know, money to people. Like, oh, you're going to sign on. Here's two hundred times ten. Maybe he's a great scam artist. Two thousand dollars. Here's two thousand dollars for you. Uh, it's basically, he says, to show people that they are the money, and since they are the money, they don't have to rely on private on a private company called the Federal Reserve. By virtue of controlling the monetary system, they finance the things that they value that keep us in servitude. There's plenty of money circulating on Wall Street, but there's not enough circulating locally. Uh, so then I've heard other examples of why they think this uh, currency is going to be better. Um, that, yeah, that, uh, oh, that by, basically it's the idea that they're going to stimulate the economy by printing their own money, it's like sort of this Keynesian idea, more money equals stimulus, but they just decided to make up their own money instead yeah. of using FR, instead of relying on the uh, Federal Reserve to print money. I guess they're not doing it fast enough, so they just We're like... print just, our own. Yeah. Inflate, uh, inflate the currency on our own. Yep. It's so ridiculous, though. Well, now, I can understand where these folks are coming from. I think that their perspective is valuable in that they, you know, they see there's value in keeping money circulating locally and I know that there's a I don't really know that I agree with that though. I don't know if I do either, but I get where they're coming from. Like I want things that are made outside of Keene, New Hampshire. Not everything is made in Keene, New Hampshire and some things are better from elsewhere. So I'd rather have things coming in from the outside. But some people are really into this idea. Like around here in Keene, there are signs up on the sh- the local shops that say it's Keene to shop locally. 
And well, so, yeah, because they're local shops, so they want to sort of guilt you into shopping there. But really, they should, I mean, I don't know, I'm more prompted to think that, uh, you know, if they're emphasizing the idea that, oh, we're local, so that's why you should purchase from us, then I want to know the other selling points, because if what you're basically saying is pay more to shop locally just because you know you really should, then that doesn't that doesn't uh, appeal to me so much because to me having money, like if I'm spending my saving money that I'd rather use later for something else Mm -hmm. just to support this local business. When there's someone doing a better job at that service somewhere else, I don't have any allegiance to you just because, you know, just because you happen to have been, you know, landed in the same spot as me. I agree with you. You should absolutely. I mean, local businesses, they're convenient. They're local. You can walk down the street. So like the place you work, Allie, I would rather go there to buy rolling papers than order them online. Even if I have to pay a little bit more, it's not a problem because I don't mind because I can walk down the street and I can go and get them. So to some extent, there's a value in being local and certain services and certain products. Uh, but on the other hand, you're right. Local businesses shouldn't expect customers simply because of the fact that they're local. They should accept the idea that they need to compete to the best of their ability and provide something because they're local, that someone can't get through the other companies. Like as an example, uh, I bought a bicycle when I first moved to Keene because it's a very bikeable, walkable town. And I bought my first bike from Walmart. Well, that ended up being a mistake. The bike was put together incorrectly. It was just, it just wasn't a good bike. I mean, it was cheap, and I guess I got what I paid for. Uh, in fact, you couldn't even really get bikes that were much more expensive mm-hmm. from Walmart. So I went to the local bike shop, and uh, I paid more for a bike, but I got a bike that actually is a really nice bike. It was clearly put together well, and I was very happy with the service that I got. And you get, you know, you get a level of service from a bike shop that mm-hmm. you're not going to get from ordering something online through Amazon or you know going to the big box retailer. But in that case, that local merchant made himself more valuable than the competition it wasn't because he was local. It was because he made himself more valuable. So I agree with you. I think that people need to shop at local places for more reasons than just, oh, well, they're local business people. Well, yeah. If they have the money to purchase, you know, to pay more for things that uh, are better to have local, like, you know, the bike shop is better because he probably, if you ever had a problem with your bike, you could just bring it back to him and he could probably help you. I've done it. Yeah, you the know. guy repairs things for way cheaper than exactly. I think you should do for So that's for. that's the value in buying something like that local. But, you know, you know, maybe some people don't care so much. They'll just buy a new bike at Walmart when the old one, you know, so goes out. Are, are the individuals who are holding on to these uh, hours, are they pretty much bound to spend them within the, the, this region? Yes, have you to can be. only spend them in uh, this county. Right. You, you'd only be able to spend them at other businesses who accept them. Right. And so, I mean, a lot of alternative currencies face the same acceptance issues. You know, for instance, uh, there's the Sons of Liberty, which is a new silver uh, product that's been being marketed here locally. If you can't get businesses to pick it up and accept it, then it's much less well, valuable. It, I agree with you, but at the same time, someone can still take that uh, tenth ounce of silver and they can trade it with someone else who understands the value of tenth ounce of silver. Whereas anywhere in the world, exactly. Yeah. Whereas an hour, someone else sees it as uh, monopoly money. Right. Uh- and uh, it is because right. apparently they exactly. just print a bunch of them up. Oh, and you just showed. Ah, oh, well, we'll give you two hundred, yeah. uh, two hundred fifty. Well, hey, we're just printing them off anyway. Right. And yeah, what do, what do you have to do uh, to qualify for that? I mean, I have a business here uh, locally because I have a business. Can I have some free money too? Like, I don't have any employees, but I've got a business. So, like, you know, what what is the qualification there? If I have one employee, do I get all two hundred notes? If I have ten employees, if I have a hundred employees, I mean, how does that work? Right. 
Uh, yeah, it says that it's not meant to replace federal dollars. Instead, they supple- supplement dollars, making more money available in circulation. Currently, yeah, so it's inflation. Yeah, the currently problem is there's not enough money. They said, <laughs> well, that's their reasoning. Currently, there is far less money in circulation than debt owed. This is the cause of widespread foreclosures, bankruptcies, and loss of national sovereignty. That's true. That's a so, true statement. Well, I would agree that. Meaning there's not right, enough money to satisfy all the debt out there. Well, that's, that's true. because the money is based on debt. But if all the money, if there was money in debt were equal, then there would be no money because it's completely based on debt. The Federal Reserve note is based on right. debt. You are correct. That's what that's what I'm what I'm speaking to. The money that people currently trade it most widely in the United States. A note is an IOU essentially. Although the note in this case doesn't owe you crap, <laughs> and they used to owe you uh, silver in return for your silver certificates, as right. they once were called. Uh, in fact, every now and then, if you work retail, you might come across somebody who doesn't know what they're doing, and they'll spend a silver certificate instead of saving it. Uh, but uh, these, you know, these are things that are pre 1934, and they look different. You, if you look at a stack of one dollar bills you can easily spot the silver certificate it has different markings on it it doesn't say federal reserve note at the top it says silver certificate i mean it's real clear this is something unique this is something different it's something special and uh in back in the day you used to be able to go and get money get real money silver for these uh silver certificates but now they're all federal reserve notes and there's nothing behind them uh whatsoever but let's talk more about the uh the hours concept here in a moment because i think we've just barely kind of scratched the surface Mm -hmm. and maybe uh well i know we're on an Ithaca in this hour of the program. Maybe you can, uh, if you're in Ithaca and you have experience with the Ithaca hour, that would be interesting in this conversation as well. 855-450-FREE, because Ithaca is kind of where all this got started, as I understand it. Free Talk Live. Empower yourself by trading with value. Visit DontTreadOnMeme.com. Browse their unique silver dime trading cards and get all your favorite designs. Gift them, keep them, or trade them for something else. They're real value in a convenient package and a tool that you can use to spread the word about honest money and how it sets us free. While you're at it, check out their quality apparel. You'll want to be the first of your friends to get their clever graphics on you. Don't tread on meme. That's don't tread on meme.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything you want, 855-450-FREE. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. You can join us on our website. Head over and enjoy the features that are waiting for you there. Once again, freetalklive.com. And here with you tonight, it's Ian. Allie. And JJ. Hey, if you've got some alternative currency in your hands, like the Bitcoin, uh, you can spend it with Free Talk Live. You can go to freetalklive.com. Actually, go to bitcoin.freetalklive.com. That's where you'll find the Bitcoin address uh, to which you can send your Bitcoin tips. We'll put them in our tip jar. Uh, Go to bitcoin.freetalklive.com. But maybe you don't know what a Bitcoin is. Well, it's alternative currency that is in the digital realm, and it is completely decentralized. There's no Bitcoin corporation. Bitcoin is uh, open source software. And it is brilliant stuff. It's peer-to-peer, meaning that there's no centralized data center. There's no hub. There's no uh, spot that can be targeted by a government, for instance, and taken out. It's just not possible with Bitcoin. And as you might imagine, the governments of the world are pretty threatened by this. Do you have to Uh, pay taxes on Bitcoins? I don't know. I don't know what the tax law is. I don't know how the IRS would. I mean, know you how would you? Them. Yeah, I mean, what would you base it on? I, I think you would have to tell the IRS, like it would be one it's of those anonymous, self-reporting things. But yeah, so like what I'm saying is, if you were to 
want to pay taxes on bitcoins. <laughs> right. You well, could tell the IRS that you have this amount of bitcoins in holding and then that's worth X amount of US dollars at the point of the time when you did the taxes. But I'd recommend, yeah, you probably shouldn't pay taxes with bitcoins. Uh, but uh, you can go to weusecoins.org to learn more about the bitcoin. Weusecoins.org. And then when you're ready to jump in, you can go to bitinstant.com and get your bitcoins in less than an hour by depositing cash at any major bank as well as some other locations. Apparently, you can even go to 7-Eleven and uh, deposit cash for bitcoins. So get the details on that over at bitinstant.com. Now, the bitcoin is also a currency that doesn't have anything backing it. There's uh, there's nothing, you know, you can't turn Bitcoins in for silver or whatever. There's there's nothing that's backing the Bitcoin besides people's faith in its value as a currency. But it's different from the Federal Reserve note in that the Bitcoin is not in, you know, it's not created by a government. It's created by a consortium of uh, programmers and people who have uh, jumped on board to help with this uh, this project. It's valuable because it's valuable in the same way that silver is useful in the economy in a variety of different ways. Like uh, it used to be used in film. It's certainly used in, uh, you know, electronic parts. Uh, Silver's, you know, used in jewelry. So obviously there's a lot of value that the marketplace has for silver in the same way bitcoins are valuable because they're decentralized, because they're untouchable by governments, because they're quick to use, you can send them in an instant, uh, and because there's so many neat different services that can be uh, utilized with Bitcoin that was impossible with the old money system. So Bitcoins have real value, even though there isn't anything that's necessarily physical behind them. Ithaca Hours, on the other hand, I'm not really sure what the value is behind Ithaca Hours besides a really good sales pitch on the part of some what appear to be more lefty-minded people that are marketing them. Now, I only bring up Ithaca Hours because they're the first of their kind. But there are new hours that are being released in a mountain area of Colorado. Yeah. Summit, Colorado? Summit uh, County in Colorado, yeah. And they do talk about Ithaca on their website just mtnhours.com and uh, they acknowledge that Ithaca Hours is another project like this and I think they're basically trying to replicate it. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm a little... I think that there's going to be some strange economic consequences, I think, for this type of thing. Part of it's based on the idea that everyone should be... The hours part comes in where they say, oh, well, they're each worth uh, literally $10 FRNs. Uh, So... It's, like, it's completely tied to FRNs. There's no division, really, and that they claim that you should treat it like a $10 FRN and um, that it's considered an Ith- or sorry, not Ithaca, but a mountain hour because people should be getting paid $10 an hour. Do you think it's a, a Ponzi scheme of some sort? Well, the classic Ponzi scheme was uh, where Charles Ponzi went around to people and promised them they'd get paid radical returns on money they invested into his scheme, uh, and uh, that's not really happening. Yeah, here. maybe it not. Not a precise different levels of, yeah, of people, but it, it, in the sense of uh, a scam sort of situation in which perhaps the the people who have the the hours to dispense of. They uh, they basically control the situation and they they stand to benefit the most from yeah we were talking about this the during the break because I had asked the question how are they profiting from this and it was obvious I just didn't notice it I think Ali you were the one that uh, that figured it out like well they can just if they've gotten businesses to accept these mountain hours then whoever it is that's printing these things up can just go to the business and just start spending all the currency they <laughs> right. want to because they yep. have the printing press I guess for this thing. 
Uh, so they basically get businesses to become members or what join into the what seems like a scam, and uh, they give them fifty dollars worth of mountain hours um, each three month period. So uh, and then after three months, they just they cut you off, I guess, and they hope that it just starts flowing through the the community. The and, sluices and uh, I don't know. They they I, it seems like. Or they at least seem like they really think it might create value. Or I could see people uh, who are asking for these things as alternatives to getting paid in FRNs. They ask for, they suggest asking for that from you your think- employer. And I could see as an employer being like, sure, you want these mountain hours they just give to me for nothing? Do you think that would scare people off from using alternative currencies, like real alternative currencies? Like if as- they got burned somehow by exactly. this? Exactly. Like, like let's say this whole summit area does this thing and then all of a sudden there's a, you know, they cancel it because it's not working or for whatever reason. Uh, and, yeah, then and then all of a sudden there's a big these- news story about, oh, well, they tried an alternative currency. Let's just stick with the FRNs because we know they work every time. You know, that sort of thing. It's a good question. And I would love to have uh, calls who might have experience, people uh, listening who might actually have experience uh, with this here. Well, we, we have some personal experience with this, don't we, Ian? So, someone... <laughs> Someone in town, uh, an individual, made up uh, labor notes. This was years ago. Years ago. And uh, he then uh, circulated them, sold them. He sold the initial ones at a very low rate. So, like, the note was valued. paid, like, two bucks per or something like that. Exactly. It was an hour of work, and he was asking, like, 5 to $10 for normal price. Mm -hmm. And he started selling it for $2 just to get cash. And then when it came time to redeem that, it, it became difficult. To, very uh, difficult. Wow. <laughs> he couldn't make good on his basically No, he totally, he totally uh, reneged on his agreements. Wow. Because, I mean, you could do that. You could be like, hey, you know, I've got a good reputation and, uh, you know, give me some money for, <laughs> for like, a coupon. Apparently, this person didn't have a good reputation. Well, no. It, well, no. If, he, if he did, he didn't have one <laughs> Why after, did people uh, buy his currency then? He was new to town. Uh, they didn't really know him very well, and they gave him the benefit of the doubt. I, wow. You know, I bought him because of some of those reasons. It's like, oh, this is fun. I'll just go ahead and try this and see what happens. It yeah, was two bucks. But you see, know? that's the thing is basing it on, like, different tasks have different value levels like if it's an hour of clipping right. your uh clipping your yard with fingernail clippers then your grass with fingernail clippers and that's yeah obviously useless. valueless right now that's an important point that we haven't touched on yet about the idea of uh, one hour being a currency uh because the skill level is a factor i mean jj you are a professional like machine guy like you can do repair and yeah. fixing and creating machines that make machines right and I can't do that stuff. You know, you put me in there, I'm going to dick around for an hour. I have no idea what the hell I'm doing. That's not, I'm not the same value as you are in a machine shop. Right. I can get your coffee for you, but, uh, you know, repair and stuff like that? No thanks. 855-450-FREE. You can take control. Bring up what you want here more about the hours currency. And if you've got experience, please share your story. It's Free Talk Live. The successes are piling up and proving the Free State Project is a real movement and no longer just a great idea. When you're planning your move to New Hampshire, consider Keene. Keene is famous for its civil disobedience and non-cooperation, and there's plenty of political opportunity as well. Though it's more than just activism, with regular social events each week. See what's happening at freekeen.com and get connected with video, audio, one of the busiest liberty forums in New Hampshire, and more at freekeen.com. That's freekeen.com.
1-855-453. That's the toll-free number here if you would like to share your thoughts on whatever's on your mind. 1-855-450-3733. And I was laughing as I read the frequently asked questions on mtnhours.com. I'll explain that here in a moment. Uh, we've been looking at this new mountain hours that's uh, happening out in Summit County, Colorado, as uh, is being based on the uh, classic Ithaca Hour, alternative currencies that uh, really aren't that much of an alternative. Uh, but uh, we'll get back into that discussion here in a moment. For those of you that are dealing with money in your, lo- in your business, and you're dealing with accounts receivable, and you're sick of it, sick of having to do collections, because that's not what I got into business to do, and I doubt that's what you got into business to do. Well, that's what SACL CAI got into business to do. They do collections, early outbilling, and they purchase charged-off receivables. SACL's employees are trained in resolving issues for your customers and treating them with respect. After all, you not only want to get your money, but you want to keep your clients down the road as well. SACL CAI knows this. You can check out their banner at freetalklive.com. It's right there at the top of our banner column. Once again, that's SACL CAI. Uh, as we continue here, Ali, you've uh, brought to the table an interesting discussion that uh, we're having about this alternative currency out there known as the hour. And... Why they're called this, I'm not sure. I think it's because they're recommending that people pay no one less than an hour, uh, what they're calling the Mountain Hour or what has also been called the Ithaca Hour based in the uh, Ithaca, uh, New York area, which is the original, uh, I guess, location for this currency being created. But uh, essentially, it is a, a product that is being printed by somebody, uh, whoever it is that's coming up with and marketing this idea. They're printing these. And the idea is to put them into businesses, have the businesses pay their employees with them, have them offer them to customers as change, and get these hours, these mountain hours, as they're being called in Summit County, Colorado, into the community. And essentially have businesses who are willing to accept those hours uh, for the products and services that they offer and have a local uh, exchange uh, of currency. Right. Basically, they just, uh, you know, slowly give these businesses free of charge these pieces of paper that are considered mountain hours and they uh, basically it's a currency that's sort of structured in the same way that frns are and that it's based on the the faith of the people creating and using the currency and uh yeah that it's not really based on anything real or valuable and it's even worse because you can only use it in a summit in colorado in summit county Right. And uh, Mountain Hours, by the way, you mentioned that they're giving these out. According to their frequently asked questions uh, on their website, mtnhours.com, how do I get Mountain Hours? Well, uh, it says here that if you agree to accept Mountain Hours in your business, we issue you five Mountain Hours every three months that you can immediately start spending into the community. So they, they're saying that a Mountain Hour is worth 10 bucks. So they're essentially giving away what they're telling people, hey, this is worth this is worth $50. Yep. We're giving mm-hmm. you five mountain hours. Now, what I don't see in this frequently asked questions is, can I change my mountain hour into Federal Reserve notes? I don't see that here. And of course, how could they? How could they offer that? Because they're just printing these up and they're handing them out to people. If whoever it is that's behind this operation were to offer an exchange – for the mountain hour. Let's say that somebody decides they want to mount, they want to try this mountain hours thing, but oh crap, you know, they got this paycheck and mountain hours here, but I don't know, <laughs> you know, my landlord doesn't want to take the mountain hours and the power company's not taking the mountain hours and the hell am I going to do with these things? Okay, well, you know, I can go buy a pizza with it somewhere, but okay, still got all these mountain hours. I'd like to turn these in for Federal Reserve notes so I can actually spend these. Right. Uh, you can't go to the mountain hours 
company or group or whoever they are, this, this, these people that are issuing these, and turn them back in because they wouldn't have enough money in their bank account to cover it all. If everybody tried to turn in the mountain hours, they wouldn't have that money unless they're independently wealthy and were willing to back this up. So that's, that's an interesting factor here. Whereas a lot of silver currency, for instance, that's real. there's real value there. People are going to want to buy that from you. You could go anywhere that buys silver and sell silver to, uh, to somebody and get Federal Reserve notes out of it. Good luck doing the same thing to an Ithaca hour or a mountain hour. Unless they're truly accepted widely in the community, they're not very uh, useful. Right. And like the idea is that I would think if someone, you know, based a currency off of the idea of an hour of labor, then that would mean that someone had worked an hour of labor or something already to come up with a note or something. But it's. Yeah, something was put into it. Yeah. But the idea is to pay people with it and that it represents. It doesn't even represent an hour of labor, but that the idea is that it suggests that it should be in payment for an hour of work. So is it not based on debt? Is it is it is it based on the idea that, you know, when when, you know, when are you what are you supposed to redeem it for besides goods? And then people caught holding these things. What are they supposed to do? Exactly. In fact, there's uh, the Wikipedia article. If you look at the uh, Wikipedia article about Ithaca Hours, the first original hours currency, it says that Ithaca Hour does continue to exist. However, media accounts from 2011 indicate the number of businesses accepting the hours has declined. Uh, One of the reasons for this is that the founder of the Ithaca Hours has moved out of town. (laughs) So... While in Ithaca, Glover had acted, the founder had acted as an evangelist and networker for the hours, helping to spread their use and helping businesses find ways to spend the hours that they've received. But I guess he didn't think that Ithaca was a great community anymore, uh, so he left. And that's kind of putting a, a dampener on the success well, of the imagine, hours. Well, imagine if it's the same situation as this, and he's the one that's handing out hours and spending them like they're paper. Yeah. And then, he, you know, well, I'm going to get out while the getting's good. Yeah, absolutely. And here's a, here's what I was laughing about when we came into the segment. Uh, from their frequently asked questions, mtnhours.com, what about inflation or deflation? The Mountain Hours Currency Cooperative, MCC Steering Committee, will monitors the flow of, they wrote, will monitors the flow of Mountain Hours in the community. MCC members will occasionally be asked their opinion concerning the mount, amount of Mountain Hours in circulation. Based on these reports, the MCC may alter issuing policy to keep Mountain Hours a strong stimulant to our local economy. There are many factors which determine how much money is put into circulation, like how much stuff we want to buy because we're the ones issuing it. Uh, but also, just as with federal currency, if too much money is in circulation, we will experience inflation. And right there, in case you didn't already know, it's pretty clear that the people that are issuing this currency don't know anything about money. Well, they're Keynesians. But they like it's it's awesome because they really are genuine Keynesians. You don't hear many Keynesians say, Oh yeah, it doesn't matter. You can use FRNs, you can use, you know, community currency, you can you can just print out money in your backyard and start giving out to people. It's all the same. They don't admit that. Mm-hmm. But that's the that's the fallacy of their arguments. And these people are like, Well yeah, if, if that you know, that's what I'm taught that that's where how how money works. So why not do this? And I think it's you know great if you know you're going to have these opinions to take it to a logical conclusion. And so maybe they're scam artists. Maybe they really are just True staunch believers. Keynesians. I don't know. 
uh, inflation, though, by the way, just to, to make clear why I thought this was funny, uh, inflation is not a rise in prices. And that's what this person means when they're writing this, when they say, well, if there's too much money in circulation, we'll experience inflation. No, no, no. no. The definition of inflation is, is increasing the money supply. So by definition, as you pointed out earlier, Ali, the mountain hours are an inflating currency. They right. by, by adding in this to the marketplace, and they're just putting them out there, uh, they're inflating the money supply. So that is, by definition, inflation. Well, I think, I think you can try to—I I don't know. The argument I, I kind of see is that if you create a fiat money at all, you are inflating no value or basically some, something that doesn't have an, an, a tangible value to it. You're taking that and you're passing it off as currency that every note is inflationary mm-hmm. in that sense. Let's talk to Boner Joe on the line from our very own Keene, New Hampshire. Boner Joe, you're on Free Talk Live. Hey guys. Hey, what's hey. on your mind? Um, I guess JJ just messaged me to uh, talk about uh, anarcho Jesse notes. I guess I heard you guys talking about uh, some kind of Ithaca thing. So. Yes. Yeah. So, so you know, I bought one off Yugi uh, Yen just for like a like a collector's item kind of. Yeah, I actually uh, I uh, doubled my money on the anarcho Jesse <laughs> note. Thanks to you, Boner Joe. Um, it, it was a, it is a collector's item at this point. I still have one of them left, uh, and I'm willing to sell it to the highest bidder. Uh, Back now. I don't know if you want to hang on, uh, Boner. You're welcome to, and you can tell us more about your experience. I don't know if he's actually tried to redeem it. Eight five five four fifty free, or how he would, because Anarcho Jesse left a long time ago. One eight five five four five zero three seven three three. Like the uh, creator of the Ithaca Hour, he's no longer in town. You can take control here. More on the way. This Get is Free town. Talk Live. Empower yourself by trading with value. Visit DontTreadOnMeme.com. Browse their unique silver dime trading cards and get all your favorite designs. Gift them, keep them, or trade them for something else. They're real value in a convenient package and a tool that you can use to spread the word about honest money and how it sets us free. While you're at it, check out their quality apparel. You'll want to be the first of your friends to get their clever graphics on you. Don't tread on meme. That's don't tread on meme.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves. All you have to do is dial in toll-free. We've got enough time for you and your thoughts. If you make the call now at 855-450-FREE, it's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-855-450-3733. Tonight with you, it's Ian. Allie. And JJ. And join us over at freetalklive.com. All the features are free for you. So enjoy the various features that you'll find waiting for you there. Uh, if you like the show and you want to help support Free Talk Live, you can become an amplifier. Go to amp.freetalklive.com. AMP stands for Advertise, Market, and Promote. And the idea is simple. We'll take three bucks in from you and other people and then invest it into Free Talk Live, getting on more radio stations around the country and bringing more internet listeners on board as well. So head over to amp.freetalklive.com. You get perks, too, to sweeten the deal, like access to the AMP-only call-in lines, AMP-only podcast, forum, and more. Uh, and it makes a big difference for Free Talk Live when you AMP at amp.freetalklive.com. As we go back to Boner Joe, calling from our very own Keene, New Hampshire, uh, we've been talking about alternative currencies, specifically the ones that you'll find more in uh, socialist meccas uh, like Ithaca, New York, uh, for instance, where they have come up with these hours currencies, and uh, essentially these currencies are – they claim to be worth $10 – 
that's the claim by the the manufacturer by the consortium that uh, puts them together but ultimately they're just printing these things out and handing them around and hoping that people will use them as a local currency and uh, boner joe you've acquired uh, something called the anarcho jesse labor note uh, which is right. a very ra- very rare uh, I, yes. local currency uh, Highly sought after, or at least <laughs> <laughs> to redeem. I mean, any, uh, yeah. Demands so, high, supplies low. Yes. Yeah. So tell me more about uh, your experience with that. Well, I, I, I guess I said I couldn't. Re- I know I couldn't redeem it at any time. Um, I had been following like what what happened with the whole thing and him not actually, you know, uh, doing things that people wanted to ask him to do with like for his hour of labor. I think it was what. One hour, five hours, or twenty hours—I don't, I don't probably remember. You can actually still go to the Facebook page, I think. Really? I'm not sure. Facebook, MySpace. He still has a MySpace. If you search for Anarcho Jesse Note on uh, Google. <laughs> oh, jeez. I actually know yeah. uh, D- Dave Ridley actually was able to redeem these, but he—he—it's uh, on the his, his whole account of this is on the internet somewhere, some forum yeah. post. It was very difficult for yes, him to redeem them. He had to basically uh, publicly out Anarcho Jesse in order to get him to yes. even do a crappy job at re, uh, redeeming them. So, I mean, I guess you have to have you know to even really do that, you have to have a reputation for actually you know doing something with your labor first. I think to even really start something like that. Well, this and like. It's like two cases I know of, just this one I'm hearing about now, and our anarcho Jesse notes, it seems to just, like, fail. So, Well, the Ithaca Hour has uh, been relatively successful, all things really? considered. I mean, it's it's falling off the radar now due to the fact that the, the man that was promoting it most heavily leaving Ithaca, but uh, it's been going on for 20 years, the Ithaca Labor uh-huh. Note, or the Ithaca Hour, that. excuse me. How many people participated in it, do you know? Oh boy! At its peak, I don't know. Maybe I can get that information here from the uh, the Wikipedia article. Uh, that's a good question. It, the the claim, according to, oh boy, where is it? Well, there was a claim somewhere that there was like a couple thousand businesses that were accepting these things. Uh, oh. Several million dollars of value of hours have been traded since 1991 among thousands of residents and over 500 area businesses, according to the Wikipedia piece. Uh, but the the website's awful. I mean, you'd think if uh, if this were such a useful currency and it were available in so many different places that they would list some of them on their website. But if you go to the right. Ithaca Hours site, there's no such no such thing. Oh, excuse me, I was on the wrong page. Uh, there's there's a different Ithaca Hours website. Uh, so maybe this oh. one actually does have uh, a list of locations, but it's not made real clear when I go to look at the site. Anyway, thanks, Boner Joe. Any other thoughts? Yep. Nope. Appreciate the call tonight. 855-450-FREE. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. So uh, further observations, Ali, of uh, what you've been learning as you've been reading about this Mountain Hour. This is the newer version uh, of an Ithaca Hour. It's essentially the same business model taken and opened uh, for operation in Summit County, Colorado. Yeah, well, I mean, basically what I've already said, I just think that it's uh, people taking the whole idea of uh, fiat currency being valid is what you know we've been told since we were youngsters, mm-hmm. and you know really taking that idea and doing something with it. And uh, I think that it's full of fallacies. And I hope that uh, this Summit County in Colorado isn't uh, hurt too much by uh, partaking in or basically getting duped. So is this is this a good metaphor to use in this case? Then is this like 
Someone taking a, uh, making some wings out of feathers from a bird, attaching to them ar- their arms, and then running off a cliff and uh, with full faith that they cannot fly. Right. Basically. Full, full faith. Exactly. Yeah. 100%. There was something else that I thought was worth pointing out about the Mountain Hours. Again, on their website, mtnhours.com, they have a frequently asked questions. And at one point, they talk about how they will survey uh, the people that are involved in their network. And that they're going to ask them about how they feel. Uh, it says here, will MCC members, the Mountain Hours Currency Cooperative, uh, will occasionally be asked their opinion concerning the amount of Mountain Hours in circulation. Based on these reports, the MCC may alter issuing policy to keep Mountain Hours a strong stimulant in our local economy. And what they're saying there is, hey, this is central control. We will ask you your opinion on what you think about how the hours are being used, and then we'll make a decision based on whatever arbitrary factors we've decided are important as to how many should continue to be issued. So, for instance, they're giving businesses five mountain hours per three-month period in order to stimulate uh, the use of mountain hours in the local economy. And presumably that's one of the things they would tweak. Oh, well, we've determined that there are too many mountain hours being used, so therefore we're going to only give businesses three mountain hours per three months instead of five. But it's ultimately not a market-based function because they're not really competing in an open currency market where the value, you know, there's actual value behind the currency. Well, if you're, the the incentive is always going to be to print more because if you're, you know, it requires the consent, I guess, of the local businesses. So if I'm a local business and I am giving my products out, my product and services, more product and service out for these hours then I am just getting from the people who are serving them to me for free, then I'm at a loss because I'm giving up something of real value, my services or my goods, for something that's baseless and that can just be inflated tomorrow. Yeah, it really requires a lot of faith. I mean, just like the federal government's note does, but it's a different level of faith because... You know, we've been born into the usage of this Federal Reserve note, whereas in order to take on a Mountain Hour or an Ithaca Hour or something like that, you have to really have faith that not only people are going to use it, people are going to value it, that other businesses are going to accept it, It's uh, and also that the uh, issuing authority isn't going to just go crazy and print a bunch of stuff. In fact, on the Mountain Hour's fact, if you scroll uh, down even further, there are videos of who presumably the founder here uh, speaking to a camera with a whiteboard behind him. One of the videos, which I didn't have time to review, says uh, that Wayne, why Wayne Walton cannot spend the mountain hour. It says here that he cannot be spent, uh, the mountain hours cannot be spent by Wayne Walton in order to maintain the integrity of the system. Well, how do you know Wayne Walton's not going to give it to Mrs. Walton right. or his kids or his best friend to go and spend Some the mountain proxy. hours for him? Yeah. Exactly, and and maybe yeah, I think I think if they had offered some sort of exchange program where you can bring us an hour and we'll give you something of exchange in equal value, whether that's the ten FRNs or ten dollars worth of silver, or whatever. I think then the it would have more legitimacy, and it wouldn't seem like such a scam, basically. Yeah. This does have a, some. It has some deflationary mechanism where there is actually money being taken out of the money supply. Right, and then you would also presumably offer refunds to people that decided they got cold feet. They decided they didn't exactly. want this mountain hour after all, or they were disappointed it, with listen, it. Listen, if you if you're doing this thing to make this place better for keeping things local, community sales, and and promoting community growth, 
then you want to do the right thing and offer the community a chance to be like, well, we didn't work out for you. Well, no problem. Bring your hours on mm-hmm. over and I'll give you something of equal value. Exactly. That's nowhere in the frequently asked questions. There I is think, no option like I that. I think their insistence that the money is based on uh, the people and their labor, I think, is is just a way... I don't know. I think that's really deceptive. That's just made up. It's made. It's based on how much they decide to put into the... How much they decide to give out for free. That's how much you know it gets its value from, I guess. If people are using it, then yeah, I guess you can retain some value from that. If you can receive valuable stuff for the currency, then yeah, it has value. But also, what about duplicating this? They can't yes. they can't enforce it. If someone wants to duplicate it, then I guess could they could they come after them for fraud? I mean, that's one of the things that's disturbing as well. I mean, what sort of counterfeiting measures or anti-counterfeiting measures have they put into this? I don't see anything about that on their website. If I were trying to market a piece of paper as a currency, it would have, you know, anti-counterfeiting measures, microprinting, holograms, things like that, stuff that you can show to people and say, look, this is hard to duplicate. But if they're just printing these out on a fancy printer, then... <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, anyway, we're out of time for tonight. See you tomorrow online in the meantime at freetalklive.com and ladiesandkeen.com. For That's more right. Alley. The following edition of the Edgington Post interview series is brought to you by the Free Talk Live AMP program. Become a Free Talk Live amplifier today for as little as three bucks a month. Get perks and help us get on more radio stations and more internet connections at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. And here's Mark. Well... Today's Edgington Post is a little different than they normally are. Um, I heard a video by the Southern Avenger, Jack Hunter, and it was a couple of days ago, and it really explains the Ron Paul situation to me in the most uh, insightful way possible. Um, and so what I've done is, with his permission, rip the audio for an Edgington Post. Um, you can go find his video, but you know, essentially it's him uh, looking at the screen. So uh, the audio is what's important here, and I hope you enjoy it. Ron Paul is Becoming Something More Important Than President by Jack Hunter James Antle asked an interesting question last month of the American conservative, quote, What would have done more to advance the Christian rights goals in 1988? Pat Robertson somehow seizing the presidential nomination or his supporters winning party leadership positions all over the country? First, let's remember what the answer undoubtedly would have been from Robertson's supporters in 1988, President Robertson or no one. At that time, many of Robertson's fervent supporters believed that only the famous televangelist, as president, could save America from a continuing descent into moral depravity. Many also believed that without Robertson becoming president, America really didn't have much time left anyway. But imagine what kind of Republican Party a president, Pat Robertson, would have had to deal with. The GOP in 1988 was certainly more socially conservative than the Democrats, but nothing like the staunch pro-life party it is today. The GOP became more socially conservative due precisely to the movement ignited by Robertson's 88 campaign, with groups like the Christian Coalition and politically active evangelicals helping to define what it meant to be a conservative Republican for the next 25 years. A President Robertson in 88 wouldn't have really had a Republican Party or a Republican Congress he could work with. Today, the GOP far more reflects the party Robertson and his supporters always wanted it to be, asked Rick Santorum. Let us also remember that this transformation wasn't pretty, notes Antle, quote, It is easy to forget now that the Robertson forces were viewed as disruptive at the time. They denied delegate slots to longtime party regulars, including sitting congressmen and Republican elected officials. To the extent that party leaders were willing to tolerate them at all, they wished these religious conservatives would simply vote Republican and then go home. 
Sound familiar? Ron Paul is not going to win the Republican nomination for President of the United States. Dr. Paul knows this too, or as he said this week in a letter to his supporters, quote, Due to the smart planning of our campaign and the hard work and diligence of supporters like you, we stand to send nearly 200 bound delegates to the Republican National Convention in Tampa. This number shatters the predictions of the pundits and talking heads and shows the seriousness of our movement. What's more, we will send several hundred additional supporters to Tampa who, while bound to Romney, believe in our ideas of liberty, constitutional government, and a common-sense foreign policy. When it is all said and done, we will likely have as many as 500 supporters as delegates on the convention floor. That is just over 20%. And while this total is not enough to win the nomination, it puts us in a tremendous position to grow our movement and shape the future of the Republican Party. Amen. That Ron Paul will not be president is of little concern to me. I fought as hard as anyone on the campaign to make this happen, but from the very beginning I never considered it the be-all, end-all goal of this campaign and this movement. Why? Because I know that what Ron Paul and what all of us are doing is far more consequential than who actually wins the nomination or the presidency. Some might think I'm kidding. I'm not. Let us re-examine James Antle's initial question. From the perspective of a Pat Robertson supporter, would it have been better for him to become president in 88, or was it more valuable that his people essentially took over the Republican Party? The answer is clear, taking over the Republican Party. A President Pat Robertson, without a like-minded party to support him, would have been a disaster, thus possibly permanently stunting any hope for a more socially conservative GOP. Imagine President Ron Paul moving into the White House in January 2013. Now imagine that all of the things we care about most, big spending cuts, constitutional fidelity, increasing individual rights, auditing the Federal Reserve, protecting civil liberties, adopting a more prudent foreign policy, imagine that all of these went absolutely nowhere due to a President Paul not having a Republican Party or a Republican Congress willing to support him. True, the President of the United States has enormous power to influence policy and set new standards, but the president alone cannot move an agenda. But with a willing and like-minded party, the president can move mountains. From 1988 to today, the Christian right has defined what it means to be a conservative Republican, often against the party's will. From 2008 to today, no other movement on the American right has done more to redefine what it means to be a conservative Republican than Ron Paul and his movement. During the George W. Bush years, there was zero libertarian principle in the Republican Party. In the last four years, and thanks to Ron Paul, the small L libertarian principles that Barry Goldwater promoted and Ronald Reagan considered the very heart of conservatism are finally back, with a vengeance. Ron Paul's movement is taking over the GOP from the grassroots up, and many local and state Republican parties are being staffed and in many cases led by Paul supporters. Every last Paul volunteer who spent time and effort working hard in their state conventions to secure delegates and the nomination for Ron Paul can know that it is precisely their efforts that are helping to transform the GOP of Bush into the party of Paul. And not only Ron Paul, but his son, Senator Rand Paul, and not only the Pauls, but this is also becoming the Republican Party of Cong Congressman Justin Amash and future Congressman Thomas Massey. This is becoming the Republican Party of the overwhelming number of 18 to 30-year-olds who voted for Ron Paul in this year's Republican primaries far more than any other GOP candidate. This is becoming the party of a new generation of voters who know they'll never see entitlements like Social Security and Medicare, and who also understand that you can't police the world while expecting to have limited government back home.
This emerging new electorate understands that true limited government means eschewing both domestic and foreign welfare in ways their voter predecessors never understood. There have been generations of conservative Republicans who've talked about cutting spending. Thanks to Ron Paul, we're seeing the first generation willing to do it. Moving forward, there will be some in our movement who support presumable nominee Mitt Romney. Some might want to vote third party, some might not vote at all. I will not be endorsing anyone. As campaign chairman Jesse Benton has noted, he doesn't expect Ron Paul will be endorsing either. Senator Rand Paul has always said he'll support whoever becomes the Republican nominee. I not only respect his decision, but I actually agree with it. In terms of Senator Paul continuing to build that bridge with the mainstream of the Republican Party that might one day, in the end, give us a President Paul after all. That's the entire point of this campaign, this movement, this commentary, and what we do moving forward. It's not how we get there, it's that we're actually getting there. There's no shame in compromising politically to advance principle, but you can never compromise principle to simply advance politically. Our movement isn't about individuals, but ideas. The difference here is key, and this sometimes confusing philosophy of principle practicality is something our movement will have to learn to understand and employ moving forward. Some will and some won't understand. This is fine because it is inevitable, such as the nature of any real and organic movement. The worst thing about the Republican establishment is that they don't stand for anything. The best thing about the Republican establishment is that they don't stand for anything. Once our movement more fully defines what it means to be a conservative Republican, the establishment will follow. In some ways, they already are. Mainstream Republicans care first and foremost about being part of the winning team. Slowly but surely, it is our philosophy and our Republican brand that is becoming the winning team. The hardcore neoconservatives left standing in our wake might even have to go back to the Democratic Party from whence they came. What Ron Paul is doing right now is far more important than what Mitt Romney or Barack Obama are doing. Ron Paul is changing the Republican Party in a way that promises to bear political fruit for decades to come. Ron Paul 2012 is not only similar to what Pat Robertson had accomplished in 1988, but Barry Goldwater in 1960 and 64, and Ronald Reagan in 76 and 80. We have elections every few years. We have very few revolutions during our lifetime. No doubt the Tampa Convention will be a coronation for Mitt Romney. This is fine. But it will also be the most high-profile demonstration to date to mainstream America that the Republican Party is becoming the party of Ron Paul and Rand Paul and Justin Amash and Thomas Massey and beyond. It is this movement that stands ready to define what it means to be a conservative Republican for the next 25, 50 years, and then some. Ron Paul will not be president. He will instead go down in history, if not this year, in future years, as the man who redefined what future Republican presidents will be, what the party will be, what the country will be. If we were to disengage from the party right now simply because we don't like parts of it or who leads it, future presidential candidates will simply be exactly what we have this year. If we stay and continue fighting, they won't be. They'll be our candidates. It all started with Ron Paul, but it doesn't end with Ron Paul. As Dr. Paul said himself almost a year ago, right after he almost won the Iowa straw poll. I know how the system works, and I know what I'm trying to do, because it's not like I'm just trying to win and get elected. I'm trying to change the course of history. And he is. We all are. And this is only the beginning. Free Talk Live has grown enough that I'm comfortable on bringing on a, a new salesperson. Now, 
I'm not looking for a person who wants a job. I'm looking for a person who wants to grow a business within my business. It's a commission-only position. What I bring to the table is a nationally syndicated radio program on more than 100 radio stations and two XM channels. A very popular podcast. The only show to win podcastawards.com annual award five times. FTL has also been named to Talkers Magazine's Heavy 100. That's the 100 most important radio programs in America four times. Because Free Talk Live is an independently syndicated radio program as opposed to being owned by Clear Channel or one of the other large syndication companies, our rates tend to be much less than those big companies. We don't have giant skyscrapers with the shiny glass windows full of receptionists and janitors and sales managers and all those things. So as a result, we're able to price ourselves much lower. And that makes it easier to sell. You've got a, a nationally syndicated radio program on more than 100 radio stations across the country with ad rates as low as $30 a 30-second ad. That's a relatively easy pitch to sell, but you still need dedication. The commission is going to be generous, and there'll be plenty of room for growth. What do you bring? Determination. You can't try this for a month, feel defeated, and quit. That's not the way radio sales works. It takes a little while to build your clientele and your reputation. If you have a bunch of half-finished projects sitting around your house uh, with very few completed ones, please, Don't waste either of our time by responding. Personality and articulation are important in this job. You're going to have to talk to business owners over the phone. You have to be interesting and easy to understand. You have to have a computer with the Internet. You have to have time during the day to do this. You can set your schedule to some extent, but business owners are available during the day. If you want to work at night, you better be trying to get advertisers from India or Australia. Or Japan. Or you need to be living in India, Australia, or Japan, calling advertisers here. One of the two, but you pretty much need to be calling business owners during the day. You need a good phone with long distance included. This goes back to the articulation issue that I was talking about before. Um, you know, if I don't recommend cell phones. If uh, you know, if if it sounds badly, the business owner is going to be irritated and not want to talk to you. And it's hard enough to get people on the phone to talk to them about advertising without having a bad connection ruining the whole thing or sounding tinny or whatever. You need to be flexible and motivated. I'm not going to claim to be the world's uh, best self-help coach. I'm really not great at that. If you're looking uh, for a pep talk, call your mom. The person I pick needs to believe that Free Talk Live brings incredible value to our listeners. I'm going to need a resume for you. I'm going to get a bunch of responses from this ad, and I'm probably only going to pick one of them. I need to know that the person that I pick can sell, is dedicated, and is worth my time to teach them. People often believe that sales is some magical skill that has to do with uh, limited mind control. It isn't. Sales is about integrity Honesty, follow-up with your customers, and product knowledge. Now, I'm going to provide you with the product knowledge. Obviously, you can't know everything that there is to know about the inside of Free Talk Live today. But what you need to bring to the table for me is the dedication to do follow-up with your customers and the willingness to be honest and have integrity in dealing with your customers. If 
you run across a situation where you have to tell them something that is uh, maybe, you know, that you believe is going to ruin the sale, but you believe it's the right thing to say, that's the thing you need to say. I don't want a salesperson that's going to lie to somebody. I'm not interested in it. This is a great opportunity for the right person and a big old headache for both of us for the wrong person. Um, please send your resumes to mark at freetalklive.com. <laughs> 